Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of the show. Today, I've got Brant Dontry, Brooks Childress, and for the first hour, I've got our intern, T.P. Hammock, who's interning throughout the summer. You're going to get to hear him. You've heard him once before uh, doing a Wacky Wednesday with us, but he's going to break down help us break down some of the schedule stuff, as that will be kind of the biggest topic throughout the show today. We're going to break down the 2024. SEC schedule. I guess we're going to get a little ahead of ourselves, but uh, we'll, we'll break down the whole reveal from last night. We'll start with Auburn in a little bit. We'll also uh, break down some of the other key schedules, the Alabamas, Oklahomas, Georgias of the world. So this will be a big-time schedule breakdown show uh, as we now know who all 16 SEC teams will be playing in 2024. We'll also talk a little bit about Auburn's new commitment. Three commitments in the last two days for the Tigers. So we'll update you where Auburn stands in the recruiting rankings and, and, and how it stacks up to some other SEC teams. So that'll be ahead. Also a couple more items such as Atlanta Braves talk after a sweep yesterday and still never really closed the books on the NBA season. So if we have time late in the show, we'll do that as well. Again, Ryan, Brant, Brooks, and TP with us today. We'll start with TP. TP, welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, how are things in your world? It's going great. I've been uh, waiting for this for a little while. Uh, I'm very excited, and I can't wait to talk some talk some SEC football today. Absolutely, and we, that we will do. Brant, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a good Thursday. Hopefully, uh, we'll have a good show here. Uh, yeah, the the schedule is exciting. Uh, you and I were mostly you uh, were doing an exercise uh, before we came in here, kind of ranking the the strength of schedule and who has the most difficult schedule based on just the opponents they've played on. We haven't looked at home versus away yet, but uh, I, we may get into that. I'm, I'm sure. I think. I think. Did you bring that in there with you? In uh, your... Yes. Okay. It's so here. yeah, we'll we'll my get math, into that. My key. Yes. <laughs> so we'll get into that, and uh, yeah, a lot of other things. Uh, recruiting continues to build momentum um, for for the 2024 class. So uh, we'll get into that for sure, and. Uh, hopefully a great show on the way. And then Brooks Childress also with us here. Uh, Brooks and Brand and, and TP, but off air, everyone was participating in the Wacky Wednesday we had yesterday. Also want to mention uh, a big shout out and thank you to JJ Jackson for joining us for that. Uh, obviously participating in that was, was something else. Uh, Brooks and Brant, glad that everyone has made, made it here to today. Survived. Uh, but Brooks, how are you doing today? Uh, scarred. Okay. I'm going to say that. <laughs> scarred from the yesterday. Mark. Um, but yeah, that, that, I mean, objectively it was fun. Uh, I've always, you know, you go on, on vacations and you go into like these little, you know, tourist town, uh, candy stores and you see all those fun little sodas there and you're like, huh, I wouldn't drink that, but that's fun. You know, I wonder what it tastes like. Well, now it, you know what it tastes like. So it's, uh, it's an experience I didn't know I needed and still don't think I needed it, but 
It's uh, I know what ranch soda tastes like now, as well as grass soda. And so, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's how we're doing today. Um, can't wait to get to all of our callers talking about a Braves uh, doubleheader sweep yesterday over the the Detroit Tigers to win the series. Getting ready for a four game set this weekend, starting out against the the Rockies. Um, a little bit of a lineup change for the Braves tonight, so we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a little Braves a little bit later on. And then, yeah, uh, it, it, like we didn't need any other football topics to talk about in the Southeast, uh, we got some more yesterday with the 2024 football uh, schedule. And it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, we heard from a lot of people that are uh, differentiating opinions on just the scheduling in general. A lot of people have, uh, have thoughts on the Auburn schedule, so can't wait to hear uh, can't wait to talk about it. Hear everybody else's thoughts, and of course, hear our callers' thoughts on uh, what they think the schedule, uh, what they what they like, if they like or don't like about the schedule. Absolutely, and of course, if you want to give us a call on the Auburn Bank phone line today, three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. We will get to the Auburn Bank phone line in just a little bit, but let's start uh, with the biggest news, and that is Auburn's part of the equation. As uh, this, will, I guess, will be a very 2024-oriented show today. But let's start with Auburn's schedule. We'll get to uh, everyone else's later in the program. Uh, but Auburn gets a schedule, guys, where I think that from a difficulty standpoint, you got to be pleased with. I don't think this is one of the most difficult uh, schedules in the league. It's something that, obviously, as any SEC schedule, is going to have a couple of of difficult opportunities. But here is the the schedule. Of course, we don't know the order to this. We we don't know when these games will actually be played within the calendar next year. But the eight SEC games for Auburn in 2024. The four home games will be Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas A and M, and Vanderbilt. Second straight year playing the Commodores. Auburn then goes to Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, and Missouri. So to break it down, you've got on this schedule four East Division teams. Of course, we will no longer have divisions, but just in prior years, four East Division teams, three West, and one newbie with Oklahoma. Of course, everyone in the SEC will play either Texas or Oklahoma this year. So, guys, your thoughts on... Uh, this haul for Auburn, um, I, I'll save mine for the end, but uh, there, there it is. There's the eight games. The thing that immediately draws my attention is the SEC very clearly knew they could not take away the Alabama game or the Georgia game, and they realized that since they're going to have to play both of those away, they gave Auburn the two easiest away games possible in Kentucky and Missouri, other than Vanderbilt, who you already were playing at home. So I, I to me, it's the stark contrast, the the two ends of the extremes, I guess, uh, with with your away contests. And, you know, I, I think it's a favorable matchup for Auburn. I think you've got three teams that you're playing at home that are incredibly volatile in Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. We have no idea how good those teams are going to be in 24. Um, at Alabama and at Georgia is obviously going to be tough, but at Kentucky and at Missouri, you'd like to think Auburn would win those games. I know Kentucky is on the way up, but, man, I Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M, I feel like, are really going to make that season. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Um, if you're an Auburn fan, you would be pretty pleased with that. Of course, you know, playing Alabama and Georgia, that's not going to be an easy task at all, and you're going to have to go on the road. But, I mean, you could argue that Auburn, especially with these home games, they will probably be favored in every single one of these home games, and they should be favored on the road in Missouri and they could be it could be a coin flip game in Kentucky. You have to be pretty pleased with it and uh 
have to be pretty happy with it. So, uh, a couple things to stand out to me is it could have been a lot harder. Uh, I think you you look on these you if you look through the SEC schedules, you could you see other uh, other teams' schedules that you're like, whoa, wouldn't want to have that. Um, but it, it it's still a, a good difficulty level. Um, I, I think. Uh, a couple things that I, you know, would have liked to see is I would have liked to see, and I talked about this earlier this week. I would have liked to see the SEC reverse the um, the the Georgia game, where you know a few years ago when we went to the current scheduling model, you had to play at Athens in back to back years. I would have liked to see them reverse that and given Auburn the back to back home games uh, against Georgia with this year, next year. But you know this was how it was going to be anyway. If you if you hadn't had the schedule change, so I, I can't have too much complaints about that. I do. I, I am a little upset that Auburn is losing that Florida home game that was supposed to be on the schedule for next year. Haven't Florida hasn't played at Jordan Hare Stadium since 2011. So would have liked to see the Gators come to Jordan Hare Stadium to finish out that uh, that rotation, but. You know, it, this is a one-off deal. I, you can't complain about getting Vanderbilt for a second straight year instead of Florida. So um, I, I'm fine with that. And then another fun fact, you know, this is going to be the first time that Auburn has played Oklahoma outside of the city of New Orleans. They've only played Oklahoma twice in their history. Both of them have been in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. And so this is going to be the first time these two teams have met outside of the city of New Orleans. So that should be fun. Uh, and you get them at home. and that That's that's the best thing is, is you don't have to – this year – on this schedule, 2023 is the long road trip year. You get Texas A&M, Arkansas, um, uh, LSU. You got the long road trips this year on the on, from the schedule. So now you don't have to turn around and go back out to Oklahoma. You do have to go to Missouri, and that's a you know pretty far out road trip. Yeah, I guess it's as far out as it gets for the conference yep. technically. Now Auburn to Missouri, maybe not, but if you were to go Florida or yeah. potentially South Carolina, it would be. But, you know, it the fact that you get Kentucky and Missouri, I think that's, you know, pretty favorable. Kentucky's a team that can, can jump up and get you, but it depends year after year what they look like. And so I'm, I'm fine with the schedule. Like I said, it could have gotten a lot harder if you were Auburn. There's there's a couple teams on in the SEC, and we'll talk about those later, that got a, got a schedule. You're like, whoa, would not want that thing uh, facing me next year. But, you know, you get, you get the newbie at home. You get our Oklahoma at home. You get a you get a favorable uh, you know a couple favorable old East teams and I, you know there there's a little bit to complain about but it's not like you're facing back to back weeks of Alabama Georgia LSU Texas and and, like, and the likes of that yeah you know I, I find this to be um, again pretty pr- uh, or not pretty do very doable for Auburn now I think the biggest part of it will be that. You've got both Alabama and Georgia on the road. That did not necessarily have to happen because it is the one-off year. There's no kind of rules in place for uh, for that. However, the SEC said, if you watched the, the show last night on SEC Network, they did say they did not want anyone going to a road venue two straight years. And I didn't check the math on every single team. That would have been taking a couple hours to do that, but – but uh, one of the criteria they said was they, they, they did not want to have people go uh, to the same road trip two straight years. Um, I, well, I guess that would that would be wrong in Vanderbilt's case, isn't it? 
Is uh is Auburn not playing? Well, Auburn's, Auburn's playing going to Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt yeah. this year. Yes, Never mind. Yes. So so I think they did that. So yes, you do have Bama and Georgia on the road, but that would have happened this year no matter what, or in twenty twenty four. Uh, under the normal rotation, and so I don't think I, I don't think anyone would be too irritated about that. That was going to happen, and so that's really the only the only difficult part of this, in my view. I think you're getting an Oklahoma team that is in a little bit of peril for the first time in a couple decades. Again, having its worst season the 21st century last year, all of a sudden it's kind of hard to know what Oklahoma looks like. Uh, it might be better to play Oklahoma than to play Texas in 2024. And again, that's one of the very few times you would say that right now. Texas A&M is still a program that is going to have a very important 2023. It's very possible that they finally parlay some of their recruiting success into on-the-field success. But if they don't, they might be going in a different direction coaching-wise. They've kind of thrown the Hail Mary with, with Bobby Petrino coming in as OC. So there is a chance A&M gets back on the right track, but even still, that would be a home game for Auburn. Uh, Arkansas has been a perennial, uh, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th program in the SEC. And and so even though Sam Pittman, I think, is doing a pretty good job there, again, that doesn't seem over, overly difficult. Vandy will not be difficult if you play on the moon, if you play in Nashville, you play in Auburn, play in Cancun. It, that's just not a very difficult opponent. And then again, like we said, road games with Bama and Georgia, that, that will – the flip side of Vandy is that is difficult no matter where you play them. Uh, and then you got at Kentucky – that Kentucky team nearly beat Auburn a couple of years ago inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Devin Leary coming in at quarterback there for this for this Kentucky team. That'll make them, I think, a, a under-the-radar team this year. I'm not sure if he has two years of eligibility. Uh, if he does, then that could be part of the equation in two years. But if you only got one year, then Kentucky year-to-year, year, you just don't know. And then Missouri has uh, kind of, uh, despite making a couple random SEC title games, still overall one of the, the bottom three or four programs in the league. So, uh, again, overall difficulty-wise, Auburn Auburn just is, is not one of the more difficult schedules in 2024 after years and years of having uh, one of the most difficult schedules uh, in the conference. And, of course, the premise, too, here is, yes, you might say, well, I don't think Auburn's going to be ready in year two. So those trips to Tuscaloosa and Athens are not going to go well. Well, that's fair to say, and that's probably true. But a 10-2 and two team in the SEC in 2024 is probably going to playoff. Uh, with the 12-team playoff, if your two losses are to those two teams, of course, long way to go to get Auburn the other 10. I mean, that's still uh, not a – I'm not, not putting that in the bank. But I'm saying that if you if you go through 2023 – and you have some optimism for 2024, but then you look at it and say, well, I just don't think they're going to beat Bama or Georgia. Okay, well, you, you have to be perfect from there, but with the 12-team playoff, I, I would find it hard to imagine a 10-2 and team uh, with only losses to Bama and Georgia would find their uh, find themselves on the outside looking in of the college football playoff. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 to join us. On the show today, we go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. Luke from Alex City. Luke is with us. Luke, how are you doing? Hey, guys. How are you all today? Doing well. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, and I've heard y'all say this on a couple of shows in a row. Y'all keep mentioning that uh, Auburn had to go to Athens two times in a row. It was actually the other way around. Auburn uh, welcomed Georgia in 2012 and 2013, if memory serves in back-to-back years. That was when A&M and Missouri came into the conference, and um, 
to, to make everything work out. Somebody was going to have to, uh, you know, either go on the road twice or one of or be at home twice. And Auburn in that rivalry welcomed Georgia two times in a row. So, if anything, Auburn would owe a re- return back-to-back trip to Georgia. Uh, just throwing that out there. But in terms of the scheduling, I think they did as good a job as you could do um, based on what everybody knows, and it's only an eight-game schedule. I think, you know, everything, again, a lot of it's made for TV. Alabama-Georgia, that, that's a huge game. I mean, Alabama's got a tough slate. I mean, they got to go to uh, LSU, to Tennessee, to Oklahoma, and then you give them the throw them a bone at Vanderbilt. Um, I think they missed a golden opportunity on a couple of things. First of all, Georgia has never gone to College Station, Texas, since A&M's been in the league. They've never gone there. And I think they should have rectified that with this schedule. Um, not having Alabama or Auburn play the Mississippi schools, I think, is a little nutty, uh, especially when you factor in Lane Kiffin, uh, that he was an assistant under Saban, and Saban kind of resurrected his career. And then you factor in Lane Kiffin was who everybody wanted. They didn't want Hugh Freeze for Auburn, and Hugh Freeze also coached at Ole Miss. I think those games would have been big time. Uh, Mississippi State not playing Alabama when they're the two closest teams in the conference geographically, and that's the team Alabama's played more than anybody else in the conference. I would certainly rather play Mississippi State than Missouri, not not because I think Mississippi State's an easier win, just because I think it has more history. But overall, I think they did a pretty good job of, of getting this thing as, as good as they could and as fair as they could for everybody. Yeah, the Mississippi part of it was was something I was going to bring up at, at some point because I think on on Auburn's side of the equation, it's been since the 1930s that they haven't played either of them, uh, and so obviously have a, a lot of history with those. And, and for the likes of Alabama and Auburn, you know, Alabama and Auburn both have Missouri, for example, as you mentioned for Bama. You know, so so Missouri's definitely an even caliber or somewhere around like a Mississippi State. Obviously, Ole Miss historically, but then right now Ole Miss has been been better for the last few years so I, I you know I, I agree on that and, and that is uh, again I guess one of the the casualties of, of scheduling balance although you could argue again that Mississippi State certainly would be on a on a similar level so you know that that is I, I guess a little sad but we, we know those games type of games uh, are going to be not constant games coming up in 2025 and in the future so those are, are kind of going to be casualties at some point anyway, but for the one year scenario, certainly uh, could have kept them. I didn't. I didn't think about that Georgia Texas A and M uh, element to it. I mean, again, A and M for all the travails of actually the win loss record, they've they've certainly tried to be a player uh, in this league with all the resources and money they spend. But uh, I I, uh, I again that will have to happen at some point once they once they start the rotations, but uh, but obviously not yet. And I think another thing that makes this schedule so much harder for a lot of teams and really a lot easier for Auburn is is the non-conference. Georgia's going to play Clemson. Uh, that makes their schedule look a lot tougher. When you think about going to Texas and going to Alabama and uh, I believe Tennessee or maybe maybe they welcome Tennessee. I can't remember. Um, but when you talk about uh, – Alabama's going to go to Wisconsin along with trips to Oklahoma, Tennessee, and LSU and play Georgia at home. Uh, Texas A&M, they avoid Alabama and Georgia, which is lucky for them, but they do uh, play Notre Dame in the non-conference. 
and um, even Texas. Texas doesn't play Alabama, but they travel to Michigan in non-conference. Meanwhile, you know, Auburn's playing a Power Five school, but it's California. They're just not very good, so it makes their schedule. It makes the the conference schedule more palatable when you play a team that's Power Five, but but on on the way lower end. Oh yeah, no, no, absolutely, and and then you could even throw another one like Florida in there that uh, obviously uh, only has one kind of uh, cupcake game with with Sanford. The, the the rest of their non-con are all kind of rivalries with with in-state schools. Uh, so yeah, no, there there absolutely that's the other other piece to this. Once we once we break it all the way down, that uh, we we just kind of obviously for the sake of last night only keep it with the with the conference, but obviously. Uh, it's all going to count at the end of the day, and when you have 12 teams get in the playoff, you're going to have more than just the teams that represent the SEC in the in the title game going to the playoff. And so, how you break those down could be determined by if you got through that that tough non-conference game or two. So, obviously, all that will add up in the end. And, and as you said, I mean, again, I, I, I we'll we'll obviously have other callers throughout the show, but but again, I I certainly believe that Auburn. Uh, is on one of the easier schedules in the conference, and and that portrays even in the non-conference too. All right, and, and double check that you know Auburn going to to or or having Georgia at their place twice in a row. I think I'm right on that. Yeah, has anyone looked that up? Yeah, I looked it up. I, I was mistaken. I, I've been saying it all week, and yeah, Georgia did come to to Auburn twice. So you you got us. Uh, you got us, Luke. Well, you know that's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, guys. Have a good one. You too, Luke. Appreciate that phone call. That is Luke from Alex City joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Also, a little bit later in the show, birthdays and sports. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, TP Hammock, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. Brant, you rounded the corner at uh, a tremendous time right there. Yeah, that was uh, pretty serendipitous. Can I just say, me and Brant yeah. trying to bring back Jersey Thursday. Yeah, man. And nobody else is participating. Two. I'm wearing a team logo. To, uh, do to I get, be fair. Do I get 12% credit? No. To be fair, Eight. I, I would have 100% Three. worn one of my many jerseys had I been informed of this jersey. He was not jersey. directly informed, yeah. No. So, ne- well, he won't be with us. You won't be with us next week. The week after, on Thursday. Absolutely. Jersey Thursday. Yeah. 
which uh, I, I currently own two jerseys, so I'm just going to have to rotate the two or okay. buy a new jersey. Well, and I was about to say, like, I only have one non-Bucks jersey. If you don't mm. count the shirtsies, of which I have a lot <laughs> of those. I think we could count a shirtsy. Shirtsies are fine. Okay, I have a, I have about eight Golden State Warriors <laughs> jerseys. So, uh, and a couple Lakers, too, to, to go through that. Uh, but otherwise, it's going to be Bucks, and then I have one, don't ask me why, of all the people, but I got a Durant jersey mm. for the Warriors. Don't so. you dislike Kevin? Uh, no, I like Durant. Okay. Yeah. Do you? Okay. No, I, I've okay. always liked Durant. Okay. Ryan doesn't like I, James Harden. I know. I know you hate James Harden. Harden can kick rocks, but I love but <laughs> you I, what? I love James Harden. There is nobody that I model my game after more than James Harden. I don't know. I usually go O of thirty. Okay, there it is. <laughs> 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 I, I I don't have the talent of James Harden, but I wish I did. I love his style. So you you are being genuine. I am a big James Harden fan. I don't know. Yes, I am. TP, thanks for being on the show today. <laughs> no problem, guys. There's no, I, by, we are polar opposites. I think he's ruined basketball. I think he's, I think he's awful. Um, wow. Anyway, <laughs> we're only halfway to the first hour. Let's continue on, though. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all are talking about the uh, upcoming schedules for 2024 for next uh, season. Yes, we are. And and last night I was looking at all the SEC teams that are going to play um, the teams that Texas and Oklahoma will be coming to the SEC. And let me just say this. I am excited for these two teams, these two uh, schools to actually uh, jump on the SEC uh, bandwagon and when they actually showed the schedule for Auburn, I when I saw that schedule for Auburn for twenty for twenty twenty four for next season, on our schedule there is no Georgia for next year. Yeah, no, there is. Uh, Auburn plays at Alabama and at Georgia in two thousand twenty four. Georgia's they Auburn is playing twenty twenty four. So right. I, the schedule you must have saw was not quite completed. Yes, I, um, I didn't see like the. Um, the bottom half of the schedule, I just saw the top half of the schedule for uh, 2024, but I didn't see the bottom half of it because it was, um, it wasn't, it, it was like, um, it was just blurred out. The They just showed like the, the top half of it and the bottom half wasn't showing as of yet. Very, so, very interesting. But uh, no, the road games, Auburn's got at Alabama, at Georgia, cool. at Kentucky, and at Missouri. Yes. So um, those games, I will be at. Um, I'll probably be in 2024. I'll be at Auburn versus Alabama in Tuscaloosa because I think with our new quarterback that we got from uh, from Michigan State, I think he's. A, uh, I think his his name is. Uh, 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 what's that guy's name? Uh, I, I forgot. Peyton Thorne. Yes, I actually see great things coming out of Peyton Thorne this year and next year as well because I actually can compare him to um, one of the Hall of Fame uh, quarterbacks. I'll probably put uh, Peyton Thorne against, mm, let's see, Peyton Manning. He, he looks like a Peyton Manning as well. He has that Peyton Manning look to him as well. 
Seemed strong, but uh, we'll see. They do have a, a, a first name that uh, that is the same. But uh, I think a long way to go uh, for him to be on that on that caliber. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he is a, a solid quarterback, and I think he is an upgrade from what Auburn's had last year. But but there still will be work to be done, and and uh, they'll need a lot to go right, obviously, to have a great season. But but hopefully he does. I mean, we will we will root for him to look like Peyton Manning. But I, I think he's got a long way to go. Absolutely. Yes, that's all because with the uh, season that's coming in, what Hugh Freeze is doing this year with recruiting is really looking good. And, I mean, with recruiting that uh, that Hugh Freeze is actually doing, he's bringing a lot of, um, a lot of different – he's bringing a lot of uh, new ice to the, to, the, to the cooler. He's bringing a lot of ice to the cooler this year and maybe next year because I think with the recruiting that Auburn is doing, they're doing a really good job in recruiting. I mean, it's like 10 stars. All, all It's like 10 stars all the way across the board. I mean, everything is A-plus all the way down. There's nothing that no other SEC school would never compare to Auburn. I think Auburn this year, I think we look like a national championship team because I know a lot of people there, I know a lot of other SEC fans are saying, oh, Auburn is not going to go to a national championship year uh, this year or next year. I think it's our year to actually make that happen this year in 2023. You sound very confident, in it, and James, obviously we, uh, we always can count on you to give us a good Hugh Freeze pun. Yes, um, because, you know, it, it's a lot that I like from Hugh Freeze because when he was uh, coaching with – Ole Miss, he did a he did one outstanding job at Ole Miss, and he's brought a lot of that uh, strong coaching talent from Ole Miss to Auburn. Because when you look at Auburn, you're looking at history, you're looking at tradition, you're looking at um, when 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 you're actually an Auburn fan, you're looking at tradition, you're looking at history, you're looking at 151 years of Auburn football tradition i mean we have statues in front of jordan harris stadium and each statue has its own particular story from pat Dye to bo jackson to uh um you know uh john heisman i mean once people look at those uh statues the only statue that stands out is John Heisman. When you actually look at the history of John Heisman, you will understand what college football is really like. Because with without the Heisman Trophy that all these college football players get every year, John Heisman, look at his story. It actually is one to remember as well. And everyone, every player always wants to win the Heisman Memorial Trophy. Yes, and you know, it's it's a good trophy, and I think every year I will probably see some other uh, football players actually, uh, college football players actually getting the the uh, Heisman Trophy because I mean the Heisman Trophy has been around for years. I mean you can name so many players, uh, past, present, and future that actually hope um, you know lift that trophy up from uh, Reggie Bush. Uh, Deion Sanders, and, and, and the list goes on and on. And once you see these players 
these new players in the SEC or in college football alone, look at the look at the um, Rob Ward game. Look at Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, uh, uh, Auburn and Georgia, Florida versus Auburn, Auburn versus um, Tennessee. When you're looking at these uh, rivalry games, these are the games that people are going to be talking about for the rest of their life. They might be talking about it now until the end of time as well. Who's your favorite Heisman Trophy winner? Um, I would actually have to say my favorite Heisman Trophy winner would be Cam Newton. Great choice. Because when Cam, huh? I said that's a great choice. Yeah, because when Cam Newton actually came to Auburn, we as Auburn fans, we knew what Cam Newton was going to do for us. I remember seeing Cam Newton actually playing in person in 2010 when we went and played in Glendale, Arizona. Um, well, I wasn't there in person, but I seen the game on TV when um, Cam Newton actually um, played against Oregon, and that place in Glendale, Arizona went crazy. I was at a watch party in Auburn for that game. And, you know, seeing that, I, I actually have the national championship T-shirt to actually prove it all. And people look at that shirt and they say, what was the score? 22 to 19, because I said that. I said that score, and it actually came out. Did you predict that score way back in 2010? Yes, I did. Yes, I actually did predict that score as well, because every year – when I go to some Auburn games, I'm always predicting scores for basketball, football, baseball, soccer, gymnastics. It's always right. And people, other Auburn fans, they're saying, how do you know? I've been an Auburn fan since who knows. And I know my Auburn history. I'm not just saying things, you know, that I don't even know what I'm talking about because I know these things. I study Auburn football history. I study sports in Auburn. You know, I know what Auburn is looking like because I've seen the history of Auburn. And I'm a I'm a true Auburn fan and that is never gonna change. Amen. What else do you have on your mind today? Well I'm actually uh, gonna be looking at um some NBA uh, draft uh, news as well because I know the NBA draft is next next month, and I'm looking at um, I was looking at the um, I was looking at the depth chart for the 2023 uh, uh, NBA draft, and I actually saw uh, Brandon Miller from Alabama. I don't think that any NBA team would pick. Brandon Miller in the first round. I don't see him actually being picked in the first round or second round of the NBA draft. Yeah, so he's probably going to go number two or number three according to most mock drafts. So uh, that would be Charlotte at two and Portland at three. Uh, so uh, I know uh, I know you don't believe he'll be picked, but I'm I'm very confident he'll be either second or third. It just uh, it'll it'll depend here as we go through the last week. There is some uncertainty, but he's been. Very valued by the NBA. Yeah, so because I know with his incident that happened, uh, I think it was like two, I think it was like a couple of months back that he had an incident. Um, I think it was like during the SEC tournament, but I don't know if the 
if they actually cleared that up or they're still looking into that as well. Yeah, uh, that that happened uh, several months ago, but uh, he he obviously uh, not in, in legal difficulty for that, and I'm sure a lot of teams have have questioned him about that. And if he goes second or third, then obviously those those boxes will have been checked, and, and teams will feel comfortable. What else do you have for us today? Well, I'm actually going to be uh, looking at some uh, NBA. Well, not NBA, but uh, Major League Baseball. Um, teams that might make it to the World Series this year. And I think my guess would have to be the New York Yankees. I actually see the Yankees actually going to the World Series this year. Okay. Well, I like the Yankees. We'll see if they they end up uh, getting there. Who do you, uh, James, who do you have the Yankees playing in the World Series? I'm a big Yankees fan, so I'd love us to make it. Um, I would actually have to say I'm looking at the Yankees playing against the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, they certainly do that in the regular season uh, several times, but unfortunately they're both in the American League East, so they, they can't play in the World Series, but they can play in the playoffs. Yes, I'll see them playing in the playoffs, but for the New York Yankees, I'll probably have to say – I will take the World Series Houston Astros. Also can't play them in the World Series. Would have to play in the regular American League playoffs. But uh, uh, that that has happened in the ALCS a couple times. It's been a, a fierce series. Yes, that's all. Because um, I don't know who the Yankees might play in the World Series. It's going to be a, a huge um a huge list of teams that would like to play against the Yankees. Um, I'm looking at maybe my Texas Rangers and the New York Yankees. I've never seen that happen, but it could happen as well. Yeah, I've never seen it either, honestly, James, and uh, going to be difficult to see that with uh, both teams in the American League. Any final thoughts for us today? Um, well, the only final thoughts that I actually have for today would actually have to be I would like to see Auburn this year make it to the SEC championship game in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, we certainly uh, we hope that happens, but a long way to go. I don't think that would be the, uh, the, the most likely pick there. But obviously rooting for Auburn to win every game, and we'll see what ends up happening this year. All right, sounds good, and I'll talk to you all guys on Monday. All right, War Eagle, James. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next time out. Back to wrap up hour number one right after this. has been on the air since 1995. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Grant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday. Still a lot to do on the show today, but we still have a few minutes left before the end of the hour. So let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Michael from Auburn. Michael is with us. Michael, how are you doing? I'm good. I just saw the schedule. Um, I, I, I I think Auburn kind of got off a little easy with, with Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky, but um, I hate not, you know, it comes with not playing the Mississippi schools, at least in 24. Uh, and then the other thing, I mean, in back-to-back years, I mean, you happen to play, you know, Alabama and Georgia uh, home and away. Auburn could have solved that a long time ago uh, in 13 and 14 when we, we decided to play them in Jordan here twice. We should have kind of saw what was going on, and I hate that we couldn't, you know, capitalize on, on some of that. Um and, but if we really wanted to solve it, just play them in Athens twice. I mean, they did it, you know, to get what they wanted. If if we, you know, decide to play them in Athens two years in a row, but who knows what the, the contract, you know, and schedule is going to look like if it doesn't rotate, you know, kind of like South Carolina where you end up playing them two years, you know, away if, if, if the schedule doesn't do something like that for the Georgia. Uh, my other question, I guess, is with Venerables and then Jimbo and then Stark, uh, what kind of leash do you think that they have uh, on, on on losing to one another? Because I think if, if Venerables has another bad year, I, he's, I like him as a guy. But uh, if they have another year, does he make it into that twenty four season? And then you know, with Jimbo, uh, if he has another season, and then you you, you got to look at Stark, what that looks like with the Texas and Texas A and M rivalry, and and how long is that leash if they start losing, you know, back to back years? Yeah, no, that's a good point because obviously we're operating under this unknown with Oklahoma for the first time in a long time. And if they, the, really the two scenarios, it would seem they'd either get back on the right track, getting back to nine or ten wins, and then you say, okay, well, that's now all of a sudden a more difficult game. It's a typical Oklahoma game. Or if they have a another six-win or so season, then I can't fathom them being okay with that two years in a row. Uh, you know, that, that would be – very tough for Brent Venables to to survive, and, and and just because we've just not seen that at Oklahoma in so long. I mean, it would. I, I don't think patience would be high, and especially going into a new league, I don't see how they would have the appetite to think that they're if they go six and six in the Big Twelve, couple straight years. I, I don't see what the what the deal is going to the SEC and thinking you're all of a sudden going to win eight, nine, ten games. So I think that's a good point. I think Venables has to have a good year this year. I don't think they can they can flop around again. As for Texas and Texas A&M, I, you know, with the Jimbo bit, I I, I don't know what it will take. Uh, they're, they're still, for several more years, locked into so much money uh, that, that that feels like part of why he's still here in the first place. I feel like if it was a more normal contract last year, would have gotten him out of town. Instead, they swing big for Petrino to try and, and freshen things up on offense. So I, I, I think with Jimbo, it's too hard to tell what's needed, you know, and how much. Obviously, that Texas Texas A&M rivalry will mean a lot, but, but it won't be factored into this season's uh, team, obviously. So I, I don't know with him. Sark's kind of been on a, a slight upward trend with Texas, but obviously uh, they need to keep going the right directions. They don't they don't want to go back down to a six or seven win team again. All of it for Texas Oklahoma. You've got to think that it only gets tougher going from the Big Twelve to the SEC. So 
their logic for keeping or firing coaches is going to be based on, well, if this team only did this in the Big 12, how is it supposed to be any better in the SEC the next year? Yeah, I'm also just curious about the rivalry games, of if they have that at the end of the year, um, and then what that home-away contract is going to look like in a neutral site, because I know Florida-Georgia has that middle of the year. They have that locked up for at least through 2025, but you know, like Bedlam with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Red River Shootout, you know, some of those bigger, you know, conference games. And then, you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech, does that go away, you know, so that they can pick up another, you know, if we end up going to a nine-game season, do they drop that rivalry? I'm just curious of what that looks like. And I'll hang up and listen, guys. I appreciate your time. Yeah, appreciate your phone call, Michael. That is Michael from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Make phone line. Only a couple minutes left in the hour. Yeah, I think we've, with stuff like Georgia, Georgia Tech, that kind of all falls under the category – of when this comes to a nine-game schedule, what's gonna if, is there going to be a mandate of another Power Five game at a conference? If there is, that's the easy path to keeping them. If there's not, then look, I, I think that the good news if you're SEC schools is in a lot of those situations, you feel like you're the top dog, uh, not to be, uh, no pun intended for Georgia's, but you feel like you're the program that is on equal or better footing now. With Florida dropping in recent years, that might be a little different. But with the grounds Kentucky's made over Louisville, certainly Georgia over Georgia Tech, uh, I think the hatred between Clemson and South Carolina will sustain them. Uh, and so I, I think that a lot of those still would have the opportunity to stay. Obviously, Florida is going to be through the gauntlet 24. They're going to play every Florida team that matters, and they're going to play this SEC schedule. I mean, because even outside of Miami, Florida State, they got UCF, so they even got number four uh, on their schedule in the state. So I, I think that uh, these rivalries will still – I'm optimistic they will stay. I, I really feel that unless there is uh, a, a big penalty given by the committee – as in, you know, I can't really fathom it, honestly, because I think teams with equal losses from power conferences, the SEC is going to get the nod. I just, unless that were not true, somehow, I think they're going to get the nod. I know we got, do you want to throw in something real quick, Brant, with 30 seconds here? I, uh, my, my thought is just who is anxious to keep Georgia and Georgia Tech? And I know we're, ta- we're talking about uh, the out-of-conference rivalries as a whole, but just that particular one, is Georgia even anxious to keep that? I feel like Georgia Tech's not. I know that no average college football fan looks for that game on a Saturday. I, I, just, I don't see the appeal to keeping that particular rivalry, other than just they've been doing it forever. It just seems I've spoken to some Georgia fans. It's kind of an older Georgia fan's uh, favorite game, but with the generation now, I don't think many people would be uh, crying if they lost that game. Yeah, the priorities still seem like certainly Florida – which obviously there's right. always the bickering on where that game will take place. And I think Michael brought up the neutral sites too. And yeah, Oklahoma and Texas still for the foreseeable future going to take place on a neutral site. But uh, but yeah, I, I can – look, I, I think Georgia fans might be split there. I, again, I'm not – I believe, you know, everyone gets gets very upset about the NIL and this is becoming like a mini professional league or, or some people. I'm not say everybody, but some people say this this is why it's becoming more – professional i think if you take away the traditions and the rivalries in college football that's the angle that i would say that's when it starts to become more professional so that's why even if they're small even if they're one-sided right now i would like as many of them to stay as possible we are out of time for hour number one tp will stay with us for one additional segment you're listening to the thursday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brant Dontry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday. Again, uh, we're now four days in a row of the Mixler working uh, and connecting correctly to our sports call stream on the website. It. Don't talk about it. It'll, it'll go away. Yeah, well, uh, so I'm just saying there are many ways to listen to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, including the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast and join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Before we go any further, we knew we got to get to Retire Ward AMC, and we will do that right after we get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Today on birthdays and sports, we've got Billy Williams, who turns 85, former left fielder, most famously with the Chicago Cubs. Williams from Whistler, Alabama. An NL Rookie of the Year, or Williams from Whistler, Alabama. I don't know what I said there. Was an NL Rookie of the Year, six-time All-Star and NL Batting Champion. Number 26 is retired by the Cubs. He's also a member of the Chicago Cubs Hall of Fame. In 1987, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Billy is from Whistler, Alabama, which no longer exists as it was annexed into the city of Pritchard down in... 251 251 <laughs> and the 1950s so that's all i got about that all right so did did you know whistler used to be i've heard of whistler but okay. i never i i you know I, I obviously never knew where it was actually all right okay this one will also be a little difficult muhammad salah turns 31 today uh, forward for Liverpool, Salah is considered one of the best soccer players in the world. Won the Premier League Golden Boot three times, two-time PFA Player of the Year, and a two-time Africa Player of the Year. He also won the 2019 Champions League with Liverpool. Mohamed Salah turns 31 today. Dusty Banker turns 74. The current Houston Astros manager also had a successful playing career. Two-time All-Star and a World Series champion. As a manager, he's been one of the best managers in the sport with over 2,100 victories in his career. Won his first World Series as a manager last season with the Houston Astros. That was probably the best thing to come out of the Astros. Yeah, the, the only likable dude on that Houston Astros team? Yeah, yeah. Dusty Baker. Good, good Dusty for Dusty. Baker hails from Del Campo High School. Go Cougars. Go Cougs. You know, All he right. had a, a college career, too. Well, excuse me? He had a college career, too. Oh. Well. He played at uh, American River College. Oh, you fiend for, for looking this up. All right. Which is? Go Beavers. Go Beavs. <laughs> Beavs. Cougs and Beavs. There we go. 
Wade Boggs turned 65, former third baseman, 12-time All-Star, and a World Series champion, two-time Gold Glover and eight-time Silver Slugger, five-time batting champion. His number 26 is retired by the Boston Red Sox, and his number 12 is retired by the Tampa Bay Rays. In 2005, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, ending his career with over 3,000 hits and 1,000 RBIs. Wade Boggs attended Plant High School in Tampa. Go Panthers! All right. Another famous alumni from Plant High School is New York Mets player Pete Alonso. Yeah. Okay. One of those things is better than the other. Yes, Boggs is a Hall of Famer. Alonso does have Hall of Fame power, though. We don't talk right. about it. He's, He's also, also hitting like 220. I did. I but that was I wrong? Does he have Hall of Fame power? He's he does. He does power. have. Yeah. He does have a lot of power. Okay. He can hit the ball very mm. far whenever he does happen to make contact. And Cooper Cup turns 30 today, NFL wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. He was drafted in the third round from Eastern Washington. Go Eagles! He was a two-time Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year. During his time with the Rams, he is a pro bowler, NFL Offensive Player of the Year, first-team All-Pro, Super Bowl champion, and Super Bowl MVP. He also has most yards from scrimmage by a wide receiver in a single season with 1,965. He is coming straight out of Yakima, Washington. Yeah. He went to Davis High School. Oh. Go Pirates! I thought we were going to go to Yakima High School. Nope. Yep. Is this it? So is this in High Washington? School. Yep. This is in Washington State. Yakima, Washington. Yakima. Is it Yakima? It is one of the two. Why are you looking at me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Arbiter. <laughs> Independent arbiter. I don't know. I Yakima. feel like I've heard of I remember Yak- it from Yakima? iCarly. Yakima. It is Yakima. Okay. All right. Yakima. I, All right. I, I do think it is Yakima. Thank All you, right. iCarly. So... Cooper Cup turns 30 today, Wade Bong 65, Dusty Banker 74, Muhammad Salah 31, and Billy Williams 85. A lot of big baseball birthdays today. There was. Those are the birthdays in sports today on this Thursday. Now we go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll free one 9 tiger 9 Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing today? Uh, I think I'm doing a little bit better than you guys from yesterday after listening to the podcast last night. Exactly what were those smells? Uh, not good ones. Uh, yeah, sweet corn, and according to Mr. Brooks Childress, the uh, smell of freshly mowed grass. That's right. And Ooh, after- okay. I used to like the, the smell freshly, but apparently your grass sort of was not that kind of pleasant smell then. No, it, it, I mean, it, it just smelled like you you spend the whole afternoon on a lawnmower. That's what it smelled like. And it tastes like it. And sweet corn, um, I believe it was you, Ryan, that said it was pretty nauseating. Sweet corn, yeah, the smell was awful. The taste is pretty bad. Uh, there was at least four or five of them that were... Yeah, I mean, below five on my scale. I mean, like, not drinkable again. Yeah, and I had to laugh when I heard uh, J.J. in the background going, Oh, Lord, I think it was the <laughs> Buffalo Wings, I think. Yeah, the and that had some spice to it. Honestly, it was fine, but, like, why would I drink that at the end of the day? Like, it, I okay. would just rather eat a chicken wing. And Tom, is he the one that picked out those drinks? Uh, yes, he did. Where did he find them? Do you know? I think he said he found a few at Cracker Barrel, and then he ordered the rest. Oh, my. So he well, ordered most of them. Uh, so uh, were you able to uh, finally you know, wash all that stuff out uh, yeah. of your uh, uh, mouth? Yeah, I definitely uh, definitely had a good dinner last night. Okay, we're good. All right. Well, let's uh, get to it, guys, uh, because I know my time is short, as always. You give me more time than I deserve. Luke, come on, man. You're going to sit there and call... 
and uh, and 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 apparently, uh, I guess some degree of whining that we get a favorable schedule. Come on, Luke. You know, I'll say this: if Alabama or Georgia were to play historically the brutal football schedule that Auburn has had to contend year after year. Uh, I can guarantee you that they would have at least one loss every season. They would not go undefeated. Well, Guys, I, your comment. I don't recall Luke whining about it. I think he just simply was pointing it out, of which we all agree with Auburn having one of the one of the easier schedules. I mean, he was just stating the facts. I don't think he was saying it was unjust or anything like that. Georgia has well, gone undefeated two years in a row, be, but okay. Alabama has only gone undefeated once in Nick Saban's tenure. So they usually they have, usually have a game, they u- usually do lose a game. Well, uh, maybe maybe my uh, I guess tired of hearing Alabama and Georgia fans uh, act like you know uh, we somehow uh, they're always playing brutal uh, outpatient conference teams. You know, I said really, you know, uh, remind me again, uh, Jeff, if you're listening. Uh, how often do you play LSU every year? We play them every year. Uh, how often, Alabama fans, do you play Georgia every year? Zero. So I don't want to hear about, you know, this year, well, we got a favorable schedule. Yeah, favorable. However, I will point this out. I'm disappointed in the schedule, guys, on a number of levels. One, and in fact, I'll take this from Jason Caldwell's uh, column today about this. And he says on the home side, this is about as untraditional as an Auburn schedule could be. Sure. I and, mean, yeah. I mean, it's going to be different for sure. And then, you know, uh, and to me, you know, all things considered, it's, it's about, and he said, it's hard to imagine a schedule with less sentimental value for home games than the one we're going to be playing. Uh, and I, I was just wanting to see, we don't get LSU, we don't get Florida, wouldn't play, like you said, I think since 2011. Uh, and then we miss out on playing, really, a rather historically arrival, which is Mississippi State or Ole Miss. Why do you think they left those teams out, guys? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some of it was schedule balance, and, and we could have seen something where you had Mississippi State instead of Missouri. But, again, these teams also have to play eight games, and we get caught up in the own, you know, whatever schedule you – you care most about, but you've also got to have balance across the league with with other teams and uh, with other stuff. And, and it's going to look something like this in the future. I mean, there's only going to be a couple of, of opponents year in year out. If they had shifted Auburn to the East at any point in the last however many years, it wouldn't have looked normal to people at first. It would have looked non traditional. And when we do the permanent eight game or nine game rotation, there will be one of those years will at least will look a little less traditional. You won't be playing all the Mississippis and LSU and all that every single year. So I this is just kind of a taste of what it's it's going to be in the future. I mean this this was going to happen to some degree. They could have gone a route that kept it very uh, West heavy for, for certain teams and that sort of thing. But I think that's where the, the balance came in and, and, and it bounced out to where Auburn's got one of the more favorable schedules. So I, I get that, that there's some history that will be lacking from the schedule, but when you introduce two new teams, you, you're going to mix in a little bit of everything. And uh, Auburn kept the most important tradition. They kept the most important history, which is continuing to play Alabama and Georgia in 2024. 
Now, hopefully, I'm hoping that this nonsense of Auburn and uh, Alabama, Auburn and Georgia being played one season on the road, both games, one season at home, hopefully that will then be gone away with, right? Uh, it's an option, but it's not a guarantee. I mean, we'll see how they how they rotate. We also got to make sure that it ends up being the nine-game model. I mean, if it ends up being the eight-game model, then they won't play Georgia every single year. So they'll play them every other year. But but uh, if it is the nine-game schedule and they, they play three constant opponents, then uh, maybe they, they break up uh, where if they're both at home, both on the road. But but I don't know. That's to be determined. All right. Well, I'm going to be somewhat flexible. Just to me, it's kind of disappointing to see the teams I grew up that were really, um, really passionate rivalries. You know, Auburn, Florida. Yeah, but again, you know, the, you know that's obviously Sanders. not been played in a while. So I know, I know. That, uh, to me, that was uh, regrettable. Uh, that was a recent rivalry. You know. Uh, well, anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, I consider a huge uh, commitment here from Mr. Joseph Phillips, guys. Uh, ranked number one twenty-seven in the country. Wow, uh, that's uh, pretty. Uh, um, I think uh, it's pretty admirable. Uh, what's, what's your guys' take on this recent linebacker? I've uh, I've seen him play in person. He is he plays out of uh, Booker T. Washington out of Tuskegee. They're really right. getting their football program together. Uh, he was definitely the best player on the field, and this was about two years ago. Everyone was seeing them, and they were bad. Everyone was like just run the ball away from him because he would make every single tackle. And it looked like he was going to go to Georgia, but Hugh Freeze and that defensive staff was able to, you know, I don't know what they did, but they did a really good job of getting him back onto the Auburn train and got him committed today. So I think that was a huge win. Uh, I remember his comments. He said that he was just really pleased uh, with the atmosphere um, and that they told him he was their guy. And he made the comment that uh, apparently that same, uh, I guess, uh, Offer or comment was made to him uh, by Georgia staff, but he said they've got ten people that are in my position waiting to play. I said, and I was told I'd be their guy, and I probably could start pretty quickly. So I was glad to see that. You know, apparently, you know, hey, there's only so many darn people that can play a position at Alabama and Georgia, and maybe we can get some of those right. Yeah, I mean, every high school recruit, every big-time recruit is told that they are the guy, you know, and it's up to them to look at the team that's recruiting them and say, hey, my best chance is here or here. So, uh, yeah, I think Joe Phillips is a big one. It's been a long time since you've gotten somebody that Georgia really wanted. Yeah, uh, that was a good get. And, of course, you know, which which the guy am I? Number nine, number ten, you know, um, tell me about that one. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, how about the College World Series? coming up. Have you seen Vegas odds, who, who they consider to be uh, most likely? I'll give you the top three if you don't know who they are. I could make an educated guess, but I don't know them for sure. All right, Ryan, who, who do you guess? Top three, according I, to Vegas. I would think Wake Forest would be in the top three. Okay, good. I would think, I would think LSU would be in the top three. Good. And the third uh, could be Florida. Um Trying to think, uh, it's, nah, Stanford's only eight seed. Uh, Don't do a Tom Peavy now. Go with your first okay. instinct. Okay, Florida. Florida then. You got it. Wake Forest one, LSU number two, Florida number three. All right. Could we be shocked and surprised that none of those teams make it? I uh, would not be shocked just because it's it's baseball and just inherently a couple of the teams being here already, like Oral Roberts, is, is already shocking in its own right. So, 
I, while I do think those three deserve to be the favorites, uh, in particular maybe LSU and Wake Forest, uh, you know, I mean, look, the, the, there's some, some surprising things that happened to get here in the first place, and, and uh, would I be just absolutely shocked? Not necessarily. I would like to okay. add. I'd like to add to that. A uh, team to watch out for is definitely TCU because they remind me a lot of that Ole Miss team from last year. They're getting red hot right now at the right time, and they are a team to look out for definitely. And I know that Wake Forest, LSU, and Florida—you know—they have some pretty good history. I mean, Wake Forest—it's first time here since 1955. But if you if you told me that TCU won the College World Series or was going to win the College World Series, I would not be surprised at all. Okay, fair enough. Uh, of course, uh, Oral Roberts has the worst odds of winning. Sure. They're a plus 2,200. Yeah. So if you're an Oral Roberts graduate, you might you know, put some money on it. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to be pulling for Wake Forest. All right, moving on, guys. You know, we talked a few times about Major League Baseball teams. I mentioned uh, how much uh, certain teams have paid and really hadn't panned out for them. Well, here's an article by Mr. Kendall Baker uh, with Axio Sports, his sports writer, and it's entitled, this season, Major League Baseball teams cannot buy wins. Have you come across that in the article? I haven't, but I'm sure it's referring to the Mets first and foremost. Well, yeah. Well, he talks, he says that generally uh, teams typically will get paid, you know, will, will get what they pay for. But not this year, he says. Uh, he says two of the five biggest spenders would make the playoffs. Who are they? The Yankees and the Dodgers. But then he goes on to say the three of uh, the Three of the four smallest spenders are going to be Tampa Bay, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. Now, uh, he goes on to say the Rays have the fourth lowest payroll, but the best record in baseball. Is that still correct right now? Yes, they still have the best record. Wow. Okay. And then he says the Orioles have the second lowest payroll, and they're tied for second best record. Yes, I believe with Texas, I think it's the other team with the second best record. Yep. And then he goes to point out the Pirates have the third lowest payroll, and they sit atop the National League Central. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think they've been trading that with the with the Brewers. I want to say so. I don't know if that's. Uh, I mean, they're they've been up there, but they have lost a couple in a row, so it's possible they they've dropped a second. But they're they they're they're, there. they're still on top, one game up with the Brewers. Okay, still one game up. All right, and then he goes to you said it, the New York Mets. They have the biggest payroll. He says by a mile. Their payroll is $344.9 million and currently sit where? In fourth place in the National League East. The Phillies, he says, have the fourth biggest payroll at $243 million, and they're barely ahead of the Mets in third place. So what has happened, guys? I mean, why hasn't all this big money panned out for these teams? Yeah, so you got to look at some sometimes case by case basis, but or bases. But by the Mets, uh, you've look at a situation where they're paying Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, uh, ace money plus. I mean, like top of the league money uh, to be starters, and they're not pitching well. And I'm under the I'm under the the belief that that they're starting to just finally get a little too old. They're they've both got ERAs well into the fours now. They've not pitched well. And that's like $70, $80 million right there, or just what those two are making, about $70 million what those two are making to, to not pitch well at all. Uh, then they've got other players that have underperformed, like Francisco Lindor, who is uh, one of the highest-paid uh, middle infielders in baseball. 
He's got some power, but he's not hitting near his average. You got Alonzo, who is hurt right now, uh, in, in and was uh, was providing the power numbers. But you know, I I think that you just look at disappointments up and down the lineup of guys being the worst versions of themselves, or maybe aging a little bit. And uh, you know, they it has been a cumulative effect. I heard somebody describe it as. You know, it seems like they're struggling because they're a bunch of individuals playing for themselves rather than playing into a team, and I think that's a pretty good, pretty good way of putting that. That they've not really done this little things to win, and they've tried to be flashy and tried to make these big, uh, big deals out of everything, but they've they're not doing the little things right to actually win games. And so the Mets are stuck with them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these contracts are pretty long. I think a couple. I mean, the pitchers' contracts are not as long because they're. They're older, but also they're really old. I mean, they're 38 and 40 years old. So uh, they're, they're, there's probably not a way back to great success if, the, if they really and truly are declining. Okay. All right. Let's go real quickly if I may be allowed about the PBA Yeah, last thing for us in, today. In live. Yeah. Uh, there's a really, really uh, very informative article. It's pretty detailed by Mark Schwabach, uh, written on June the 12th. And it's entitled, How the Shocking PGA Tour Live Golf Deal Went Down. Have you come across that article yet, guys? I've seen him report on some stuff and, and be there, but no, I've not uh, read the article. Well, it's really uh, uh, eye-opening, uh, to say the least, about how this all came down. A guy by the name of Dunn uh, was involved in brokering and negotiating this deal with uh, the Saudi guys. And then he goes on to say some interesting things. This is not a done deal, Uh Maybe the PGA people think it's a dumb deal and a lot, but apparently uh, the antitrust issue uh, is rearing its head right now uh, by uh, by Congress and also uh, by the Justice Department. And the reason I'm saying that, I'm reading uh, some of their comments, a professor at Columbia Law School uh, says that apparently there's a 100% chance that the Department of Justice will take a close look at this new alliance. For several reasons, he says. One is that uh, they're going to look at and see, is this a monopoly? And the reason he says that, because just recently a court ruled uh, against American Airlines and JetBlue Airways from merging because the judge upheld the ruling uh, saying that the airlines uh, were not uh, going to uh, be competitive, that they were actually joining to stop competition. And that's what antitrust laws are intended to avoid. So he says, if you stop competing on prices and stop competing for customers, then you're no longer competing. And, in fact, that's what came out of the mouth of who? The PGA commissioner. So the Justice Department is going to be looking into that because uh, that's not what mergers are really intended uh, to be for. And he says they're going to use his own comments. Uh, another comment that he made is uh, this professor is going to be used against him. Uh, he says, forget about all the allegations, quote, according to what he said. We made in our lawsuit, we didn't mean it. From a legal standpoint, he says, it's very hard to unring the bell when you make those allegations. They're called judicial admissions by the law. And he said, he said, ultimately, he said, we're doing this to take the competitor off the board, to have them exist as a partner, not an owner. Right. And that, he said, was not something he should have said publicly. So yeah. this is uh, really interesting, guys. Um, they're they're going to use his own words 
uh, against him. And so I'm not uh, right now sure that this will uh, end up being the way uh, apparently they thought maybe the outcome might be. Uh, but I just thought bring it to your attention as a interesting article uh, to continue reading. All right. So, guys, my time is way up. I thank you always, and thank you again for bringing J.J. back uh, for a short-term engagement on the radio show yesterday. Yes, and, sir. And uh, I, uh, I hope you guys do more crazy things on uh, Wacky Wednesday. I enjoy it. Thank you for entertaining us. With that said, have a safe afternoon and evening. Uh, with all, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, my uh, rambling, I'll take a breather, and uh, I'll uh, go ahead and let you guys carry on for this afternoon. And until then, tomorrow, guys, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate your phone call. That is Retire War AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next time out of the show. TP, appreciate you for being here today, and uh, you'll be off next week, but you'll be heard on the airwaves again very soon, but appreciate you being in here today. Thank you all for listening to me. Uh, That will uh, do it for this segment. Back with more Sports Call right after this. please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 we're done paying the bills now back to sports call on tiger 95.9 Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, and Brooke Childress here, here with you for the final half of the show. Good string of calls right there. We, of course, appreciate uh, everyone for, for calling into the Auburn Bank phone line. Again, if you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. More on the schedules in a little bit. Uh, we will start to break down the entirety of the SEC. Also, I did this math deal where I was assigning points to teams' difficulty and had a whole little deal about that. It took me about an hour before the show. So we're going to go over that. might mean nothing to everybody, but uh, we're gonna. that's the best way I could think of to try and determine uh, how to try to sort through who has it tough, who doesn't have it tough. So we'll go through that a little bit later. I do want to spend a few minutes on uh, more Auburn recruiting here. As uh, as guys commit to the Tigers, we always like to hit on it for a little bit. Uh, Joe Phillips is the latest commit to the Auburn Tigers. Uh, this was something yesterday. We saw the Hugh Freeze eyeball emoji tweet. 
Uh, Cam mentioned it might be Joe Phillips, but no word yesterday. And then today we got official word that it was Joe Phillips. Uh, slots in, or you're going to use on three for this. Slots in is the highest ranked recruit to date overall. Just barely. If you average it out, if you look on on three's industry ranking, Walker White is 135 in the country. Joseph Phillips is 133 in the country. On three has has uh, it's fun to on three has it listed. Okay, all four sites on three two four seven ESPN rivals right there for you to look at, and then it gives you an industry ranking. And it's fun to see how different on three has Joe Phillips compared to the other three, and even Walker White if you want to talk about him for two four seven. So for Joe Phillips. On three has him as the number 71 player in the country. That is no small deal. 247 has him 151, ESPN 177, rivals 218. That's how it averages in the 130s there. Walker White is 135 overall, but on 247, he's 78 overall. On three has him 183, which is the worst of all the four, rivals 178, ESPN 163. So clearly not everyone just copying homework here. Everyone everyone thinking for themselves a little bit. But as it spits out, Joe Phillips with the industry ranking 133, Walker White 135, no one else in the top 200. Oh, there, are, there are a few more four-stars for the Tigers. So Auburn now with eight players, six of them four-star, two of them three-star, and it grades out right now. As the number 15 class, I tried to do the little, okay, well, what is it averaging? It averages out to number 11 right now in terms of just quality of player. That's a, a more familiar place for Auburn that usually was in that uh, top 10, but usually not deep into the top 10, sometimes just outside. Uh, they've got eight players. Give you give you a quick rundown of everyone ahead of them. Again, this is for 2024. Tennessee's right ahead of them at 14, but they got 11 players instead of eight. That's one of the teams that Auburn has a better actual average ranking on. Penn State, 13. USC, 12. Florida, 11. So Billy Napier doing what he can. Number 10, Florida State. Riding some momentum right now. First momentum post-Jimbo Fisher. Number 9, LSU. They've already got 18 players. 11, 4-star, 7, 3-star. Their average is technically a little below Auburn's. Auburn's is 89.99. LSU's 89.4. That's one of the teams ahead of Auburn in the, in the actual rankings that Auburn is actually ahead of in the average. Oregon is eighth. <laughs> South Carolina. I can't help it. It's no, just, it, it's... every time you do it, it cracks me up. <laughs> Oregon is eighth. South Carolina is seventh. South Carolina's got 10 players right now. Their average is actually a little higher than Auburn's right now. South Carolina recruiting well, getting some Shane Beamer stuff. Beamer ball, baby. Notre Dame is six, but they got 19 commits. Their average is right there with Auburn's. Fifth is Michigan. They've got 19 players. Clemson is fourth. They've got 11 players, but two of them are five-star players. I bet I can name the top three. <laughs> Alabama. Yeah. Ohio State. That's, yep. And Georgia. All are right. The top three. I could have indeed named the top three. Bama's average is the best in the country. They've only got eight players, but they are third overall. Ohio State is second. They've got 14 players committed, two five-star, 10 four-star, and two three-star. Georgia has 19 committed, two fives, 12 fours, five threes. So that's how the top 15 breakdown. Again, that's a lot of SEC. Again, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, LSU, Florida, and Tennessee. Notice no Texas or Oklahoma. I would have included them. They're not in the top 15 right now. 
trying to find them down the list. Oklahoma is right now 18th. They've only got six players. Texas is not back right now on the recruiting trail. I'm still scrolling. I was trying to kill time. They're not in the top 50. So I don't know what's Dang. going on with Texas right now. That's kind of shocking. Uh, I don't. I, I, maybe they just don't have a, a number of players. They're 67. They have three dudes. They've got a four-star and two threes. So a big year for them. <laughs> they need, need to pick it up a little bit. That's The 60s feels the – that was about where Auburn was last year. So could relate to that last year. So anyway, all that, that's kind of the rundown of the recruiting. Auburn 15th right now. Not going to prop this up like this is the, the best thing that's ever happened, but they're back in the range that they should be in right now. And again, a, their best commit to date technically uh, today in Joe Smith. Yeah, it, you know, Auburn should be in the top 15, usually should be in the top 10, and every now and then you grab a top five class. That's what you expect out of Auburn on the recruiting side of I things. I Joe Smith, Joe Phillips. Joe Phillips, Sorry yes. Uh, Joe Phillips... Yes, his ranking is all over the place, but who was the guy who used to host this show who did the offer sheet? Reed Slider. Reed Slider. I I love that, and here's what you need to know. Georgia really wanted this guy, and on Tuesday, he he said this when he committed, on Tuesday he thought he was going to commit to Georgia uh, today. So he, he was ready to commit to Georgia then, took a visit to Auburn or got a call from Auburn. Something happened, and he changed his mind. Now, he changed his mind in two days. We're... A little less than a year from signing day. Yeah, good he, point. He could change his mind five or six sure. times in that point. So, you, you know, you never know what's Not going through. Just because he's announced a commitment to Auburn doesn't mean that Kirby Smart has stopped calling him. So, I, I hate I hate to be a damper on that, but the fact is Auburn is back in the mix for kids of his caliber, and and that's where Auburn should be. Uh, this is this is the recruiting job that Auburn should be used to. Uh, and yes, the recruiting has been bad the last couple of seasons, and. Even some of Gus Malzahn's better classes ended up uh, falling apart uh, after he left. So you're getting good players in that Auburn is used to, that Auburn should have. Uh, I think NIL has been a big part of that. I think a coach who focuses on recruiting has been a big part of that. And I think a staff uh, that knows how important talent acquisition is has gotten Auburn back to a point, even if it's not at the level that you expect Auburn to be at fully, is getting back on track. It it's it's really big, and we talked about it. You know, when Hugh Freeze talked about uh, when he got here, the he he never mentioned them by name, which is you know kind of clever, where you don't give you know you don't say their your rivals' names. But he said we we're not where we need to be to compete with the the teams we need to compete with. And you knew who he was talking about. You knew he was talking about Georgia, and you knew he was talking about Alabama. Well, you're now going. And you are, and it may, you know, we, we may get on the field here in a couple months and see, you know, you know, and probably we'll see that Auburn's still, you know, nowhere near the same level to being able to compete with the Georgia and Alabamas of the world on the field. But this is, this is the first, uh, this, this, uh, flip, it's a process. Flip, flip, it, the pro, it's a process, but you're starting to gain some ground here. You're 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 starting to flip guys that you you thought were you know everybody said oh this kid's you know the this kid from Tuskegee he's going to Georgia he's going to be a Georgia well Hugh Freeze said you know what he's in our backyard we're going to work on this and we're going to see what we can do and as of right now you've got him you've got him committed to come to Auburn you've got him there now you know commitments can flip he could flip back you never know what what Kirby Smart could offer him. 
But he's, uh, you know, he, right now he's committed to Auburn, and he's going there. And that's what Hugh Freeze has to do. And it's something that, you know, and I know, Brent, you don't like to talk about uh, the past regime, but it's something Brian Harson <laughs> didn't do. All Brian right. Harson didn't go out, and we all, we know, we talk about the 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 recruiting flaw, flaws of Brian Harson and the staff over and over and over. But he didn't go out, and he didn't win the battles, and specifically didn't win the local battles. There are kids we saw over the past few years that uh, at Fe- Central Phoenix City, just down the road, has been a hotbed. You've seen Georgia, you've seen Clemson come in uh, and take kids from right under Auburn's nose, and that shouldn't happen. You've got to, you know, you you talk about, you know, uh, there was a time where, um, and it's you know still relevant that Bruce Pearl built a wall around Atlanta, and there was a time where it was just a pipeline of Atlanta coming into coming into Auburn basketball. So there's still a lot of Atlanta kids coming to Auburn basketball. But, you know, you, you build a bi- pipeline out of Atlanta. That's what that's what Hugh Freeze is attempting to do here, and this is, a, you know, a, a big uh, piece of the wall is you're starting to win recruiting battles. And I know this it, it's won, but you this is you know you can build on this. It, you're starting to win recruiting battles against your two biggest rivals in your local area. You if you're Auburn, you've got to target your your guys in you got to target guys in Lee County, in Russell County, Macon County, and and then build out from there. And if you can start winning those big battles against Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Ohio State in your local area, that does wonders. That that can start doing wonders for your program. We're going to take one final break here in the second hour of the program. Back to wrap up hour number two. Right after this, you're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm jeff whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontree, Brooks Childress with you here. Another five or so minutes left in hour number two. In hour number three, we will again, we're going to deep dive in the entire league uh, for the SEC. We've really not deep dive with the rest of the schedules. We've we've definitely had some thoughts on Auburn's and, and uh, a couple of the big matchups. But in hour number three, we'll do a complete deep dive of – 
of that of the 2024 SEC schedule. With this few minutes left, this is becoming increasingly irrelevant the more as the week goes on. But the last stroke of relevancy is the parade that you get when you win a title. And the Denver Nuggets had their parade today for winning their first title in franchise history. Nikola Jokic was drunk. Others were drunk. Uh, I mean, that's that why is, he, he said, I don't want to leave the blanking parade. Right. right. After because, saying, oh, after the game, I just want to go home. Yeah, exactly. Yo- Jokic, and I mean this in a respectful way. They, they talk about in the NBA about half the players actually don't love basketball. And that's a negative for most players. Like they, either they don't work hard enough, they don't care enough. Jokic is the embodiment of someone that I think to his core does not love basketball. However, he loves his or he he works hard at his job. He wants to be the best version of himself at his job. This is work for him, but it's work he wants to perfect. It's just like a lot of us out there. Like like if you don't love what you do, there's a lot of people that have jobs that don't love what they do. That doesn't necessarily stop you from doing it to the best of your ability or taking pride in doing a good job at the end of the day. And I think that's Nikola Jokic. I think that he he could he could retire and God knows when. He could retire early. He truly I don't think he'll live in the US after <laughs> after he retires. Like he loves being back home in Serbia. But when he gets over here to play basketball, he takes it seriously. He's going to do it the best best ability he can. And Denver did it quite well, and he did it quite well this year. He's done it quite well for several years now. But Nuggets win the title. I think takeaway from Game 5, Miami just kind of didn't have the offense needed. They did a good job limiting Denver. Denver got a little tight. You could tell they felt it. They felt that they were closing on title. They didn't shoot the ball well, even when they got open looks. But Miami didn't shoot it well either, and I think that's not – more about nerves it's more about just finally catching up to them i mean guys that had been playing as good a basketball as they're capable of playing Cale martin gabe vincent max Struess, duncan robinson they just finally hit the limit and they just finally reverted average back out to the versions of themselves that, that we'd seen all year long that had been the worst offensive team in the nba this year and so butler ran out of steam too you could tell he was off almost the whole series. I'm not blaming an injury for that, although it's possible. Everyone's a little banged up this time of year, and he certainly didn't make an excuse. But he was 2 of 12 with six minutes to go. And he he found it for just a couple minutes. He he realized, like, if we're going down, me being 2 of 12 is just not something I want to look back on. That's going to be regrettable. And even though... It didn't last the whole six minutes. He had the sequence, hit hit two straight threes, got fouled on the controversial three, then hit another two to go up. So about two and a half minutes, it was like, all right, Jimmy Butler's locked in. This might get back to game six. It might. Uh, But Denver gets the offensive rebound from Bruce Brown, who'd been terrific off the bench. I don't know if there's any big picture stuff we want to get on, and especially not in two or three minutes. But the league is starting to see this parody a little bit. And that's what Adam Silver wants. If you deep dive into the CBA coming up for the future, that's what he's going to continue to want. I'm not sure it's the best model. I think you look at the history of the NBA, dynasties captivate people a little bit more. I know that, that some people can get tired of them in college, especially where we're in a college town of which they're clearly tired of the teams winning, and that's fair. But I think on a national level in the NBA, the only period of time where the NBA – was a little less followed or 
uh, did very poorly. We don't talk about a lot. It's the 70s because there was not a huge uh, dominant team. Even in the 60s, you say, well, maybe it's just because it's oldest. No, in the 60s, you talk about the Russell Celtics loss. Hell, even the, the Jerry West Lakers that kept losing to them in the finals all the time. And then the 80s, of course, you have Magic versus Bird. 90s, you have Jordan. Early 2000s, Lakers. And now the last 10, 15 years, LeBron and the Warriors. You have these reigns. So I'm not sure that this will work out. But quick thoughts, guys, on, on Denver and just the end of the NBA year. Nikola Jokic is rapidly climbing my favorite player rankings. I love seeing seemingly out-of-shape white dudes do very athletic things. Nikola Jokic, I've said before, he looks like he's playing in flip-flops. That's very true. He... His vertical can't be more than like seven inches. He's not the most athletic looking dude. He's not super fit. He's not very fast, but he's just going to score and he's going to make incredible passes. And he's going to, he's probably the best player in the NBA right now. Uh, Just, I I love what they've done. He was drafted during a Taco Bell Quesarito commercial. They saw the video again on Twitter the other day where just it's a Taco Bell ad and his name just kind of scrolls across the bottom. And now he's one of the best players in the NBA. It's such a cool, I love when guys who are not expected to be great end up being great. These kind of just guys you take a flyer on end up being these top five players, these MVP contenders, these guys that can take your franchise that has never won a trophy before or has never won a championship before and put them over the edge to be the guy to lead them to uh, the promised land. Hallelujah land, as Anthony likes to call it. Uh, so Nikola Jokic, a really cool player, a really good player, uh, and a fun guy to root for for the, for the reasons you listed as well. He's just kind of there doing his job. He's just doing it really, really well. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was fun to watch the series. Um, I, I'm I'm really you know I'm happy that Denver got their got their title. Nikola Jokic got a title, and you know it it's it, it's fun when there's parity in a league. But at some points, you do need a dynasty because some dynasties are fun. That that Warriors dynasty, it was fun. Um, the Lakers dynasty uh, with with Shaq and Kobe, that was fun to watch. And it, the, the the Miami Heat, the brief dynasty there with LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh, that was fun. Some dynasties are fun. Some are very you know unfun. The Patriots dynasty of the NFL, not fun. Alabama, Georgia, not really a fun dynasty. You put uh, your own team is not fun. Are you okay? Yeah, I because I I'm just a, from an objective objectively yeah. it wasn't fun because of the way that the Patriots go about their business. It just wasn't it it wasn't fun. Um, the Chiefs dynasty, if it keeps going, if the Chiefs dynasty, it's fun because Patrick Mahomes yeah. does fun things. That's fair. Um, some dynasties are good for sports. Some are you know some you can get tired of really quickly. But you know hopefully the 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 Nuggets you know they they did what they did. And they hopefully they can continue the success. Who knows if they win another title? But at least they're going to be right there in the mix for the next few years to come with Nikola Jokic. It's going to be a fun team to watch. That's what all the NBA heavy shows are doing right now. Is is can Denver make this into a dynasty and deep diving that? And uh, again, uh, this is not the show for that. But uh, I I have my opinions on it. Also, I think you should kind of appreciate the year that you're in, even though Michael Malone's like yelling, "We're not satisfied," even. <laughs> And in the trophy ceremony, he's just like, oh, "We're not, we're not done yet." I was like, "Okay, well, please enjoy one, because you just never know." We're out of time for hour number two. When we come back in hour number three, we'll break down the rest of the SEC schedule. We've already talked a little bit about Auburn's, but what are some of the other big programs in the league doing in 2024? We'll catch you up to speed right after this. 
Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, or the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Dontry with you here on this Thursday, the day after the 2024 schedule reveal for the SEC. We've already broken down Auburn's a little bit. Uh, we certainly mentioned it again before the show is up, but a, a lot of this in hour number three, of course, is going to be about the schedule and kind of looking at some of the other teams for 2024. And we'll start off with uh, Alabama, also because of alphabetically and because of uh, some relevance, obviously, to here. Uh, I also want to note before we get to Bama's, um, I did do this exercise before um, the show today. Did some push-ups, some sit-ups, <laughs> all the good stuff. And I ranked 1 through 16 what I felt would be kind of a barometer of toughest teams to play in 2024. And some of it, it's more recency. It's not history. Like hearing, uh, like go ahead, for example, Oklahoma's not the seventh most historic team in the conference. They are better than that once they join. Obviously, their their SEC success will be known. I mean, there'll be none of it. But as a program, Oklahoma better than seventh, clearly. Um, so I've tried to take some history and some projection of what they could be. So again, it's it's opinionated. It's not gospel. It was my best run of it. For example, even though Alabama's had clearly the run of dominance much longer than Georgia, I put Georgia number one, Alabama number two in terms of difficulty for the 2024 season just because I Georgia's hotter right now. Now, it could be Alabama wins in 23, and then it would be flipped. But right now, Georgia, just it's, it's more of a power ranking right now. So this is what I went off of. I went Georgia 1, Bama 2, LSU 3, Tennessee 4, would not have had that two years ago, Texas 5, Ole Miss 6, would not have that almost any time in their history, but right now, Oklahoma 7, didn't want to drop them all the way to the bottom. It's Oklahoma, it could flip like that, but clearly a 6-6 six and six or whatever it was last year for Oklahoma, not good. Put Auburn right dab in the middle at eight. Project them to go up with Hugh Freeze, but not all the way up, or at least not right now. Texas A&M, nine. Had trouble knowing what to do with that. Two years ago, they had a really good year. They would have been much higher. Last year was freaking terrible. So I just like I don't know. I don't know. Again, this is, this is an opinion. Four to ten. Again, aspire to be better than tenth in the league for sure. But it's not been going well for Florida the last couple of years. Arkansas 11, 
trying to make some gains with Sam Pittman. If you asked here in the Chad Morris era, they would have competed with Vanderbilt. Might have taken Vandy, honestly. 12, Kentucky. 13, South Carolina. Both those schools trending in the right direction. 14, Mississippi State. 15, Missouri. 16, Vandy. Again, I'm sure everyone can nitpick there. But I use that as a scale of difficulty to say, all right, if you're number one, you get 16 points, 2, 15, 3, 14, so on and so forth. 16th place Vanderbilt, you get one point. And whoever has the most points at the end of this is, by that metric, the toughest schedule. Now, it doesn't include road versus home, which we all know matters a lot. So, again, this is not some gospel ranking. But a little bit later, I'll give you the full – I guess I should give you the full ranking now, and then we'll break down some of these individual schedules. I was going to go just to Alabama first. but it And this also does not factor non-conference. So, again, this was like a bare-bones, let me just figure out this SEC deal. Because, under obviously – what you play in the non-conference matters too. However, this team being number one is appropriate. I had Florida by that metric as having the toughest SEC schedule. I won't hit on all these, but Oklahoma two, Georgia and Mississippi State tied for three, Vandy fifth, who no one cares. <laughs> Alabama eighth, so in the middle. I had uh, Ole Miss 10, Tennessee and Auburn tied for 11th, most difficult, so one of the easier schedules. LSU 13, A&M 14, Texas 15, Missouri 16. And again, that does not factor in non-conference. I get that Georgia, uh, who's tied for third on here, you factor in Clemson. That probably moves them surly, surely over Oklahoma, makes them competitive with Florida. I know Alabama's got that at Wisconsin game. I know Auburn's got the Cal game. Maybe, maybe there's something that could move them into one or two spots easier. But that's for the SEC stuff. So let's start with Bama. They're right in the middle, okay, the, the, as far as SEC difficulty. And look, there's some difficult stuff to this. So... Their road stuff makes it where if you include road into the metric, it'd be higher than eighth because three of their four toughest opponents are on the road. So you'd probably maybe round out to about fifth toughest schedule in the league. You did home and away mattering. But home games, Auburn, Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina. Road games, LSU, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Vandy. Obviously, Vandy, you know, that's I guess that's good to get that on the road. Because playing anyone else on the road is at least something. Playing Vandy anywhere is nothing. But at LSU, who I think in Brian Kelly's era is going to at least be competent every year. Oklahoma, the brand name's big. We'll see what happens to them this year and therefore what might happen to them in 24. At Tennessee, this could be one of the opinionated ones. I put them as the fourth most difficult team to play right now in the SEC. But you could argue that that could be a one-year wonder for them because of Hendon Hooker. We got to see what Milton becomes. Got an arm that could throw it certainly into the into the river outside the stadium, but can he be accurate accurate with it? We'll see. Over them, their mountains. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and obviously on the home side of things, Missouri and South Carolina, those would be pretty easy games for Bama. The Auburn game uh, is always a humongous rivalry. Don't need to tell anyone here that. And then Georgia, obviously, whether you play them, kind of the the anti-Vandy. You play Vandy anywhere you expect to win. You play Georgia anywhere right now you expect it to be a difficult game. So, again, by my metric, probably undervalued Bama's schedule a little bit. But this is this is full of some very interesting must-see, must-be primetime matchups for Alabama in 2024. Yeah, I, you know, I'm looking at this – Georgia at home, I know, but they're at LSU, at Oklahoma, at Tennessee. 
let's say Oklahoma's bad. They fire, they have a bad year this year. They fire Brent Venables. They come to the SEC under a new regime, and they're not quite ready. So let's just say Oklahoma's not going to be a threat. But between hosting Georgia at LSU and at Tennessee, they could easily drop two of those. They could very easily. I, I think they will lose one. I think they could lose History two. History says that, again, it's weird yeah. to say that out loud as, as much as they win, but they they do usually yeah. lose a game yeah, somewhere. Alabama usually loses a game. Um, and, and they continue to win championships anyway. But between Georgia, LSU, and Tennessee, all three of those games are losable, especially like like you touched on. We don't know if Tennessee's going to be good without uh, Hendon Hooker, but we I think we all respect Josh Heupel as a I head coach. I love his offense. Love yeah. his style. Yeah. So it, it, Assuming he can get the right quarterback, Tennessee's not looking to go anywhere soon. So I think between those three, I think all three of those games are very losable, especially because, I mean, we don't really know what Alabama's going to be this year. We expect them to be good, but, I mean, who, who's their quarterback right now? We, uh, it's Jalen Milrose, uh, basically his job to lose right, right. now. Right, and we saw him play when Bryce Young got hurt last year. This is underwhelming. He, he, under, underwhelming is kind, you know? It, it's... Depends accurate. how they use him. He can run amazing. I mean, it's a great he's a great runner. athlete, and he's also filling in for for Heisman Trophy caliber yes. stuff. So the drop off is more noticeable, right? And a kid but, can get better in in a year. He, he right. You, you assume he improves, but uh, me and me and Ryan were actually talking about this the other day. Um, Alabama won a national championship with Jacob Coker at quarterback. That is true. So that is so true. The, 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 and the, the the angle there is with Kevin Steele coming in. You know their defense has taken a brief a step man. back. It took a step back for the last couple of years with Pete Golding running it. Not that tenth or twelfth is something to be ashamed of, but they were always first or second in defense. So going from tenth to twelfth feels significant where if you're going from 40th to 50th that's still 10 spots but that doesn't feel a whole lot different to me but going from first to 10th or or second to 12th that's a lot so if Steele, who did a good job coordinating defense in this league not long ago if Steele gets that back into the top five then all of a sudden you don't need the Heisman level play they've gotten out of quarterbacks for five to six years so there again these are unknowns these are just the, the the ceilings and floors are larger the further you go out. You know, yeah. and, and it's, it's tough to project this upcoming season. Now we're looking <laughs> right. two years in the future. God knows when if any can change. So any of so these much. head coaches could be fired, could have retired, could you know? We don't know. Right, and and certainly the Oklahoma bit is relevant because I think Michael from Auburn brought up a good point earlier, uh, kind of implying that you know, are you sure he's going to be around? I'm talking about Brent Venables in in twenty twenty four. Because two years at Oklahoma, if you are six and six or so, like we would see a six and six Oklahoma team as a great opportunity to beat. But if they go six and six, they'll change coaches. What coach do they get? Is it someone that immediately changes the equation? It's like because it's Oklahoma as a brand, it's a huge brand. So can you get someone to change the equation from the word go? Like Brian Kelly changed the equation from the word go for LSU, or is it somebody that has to take a year or two to build and and. If it takes a year or two, then that's still a lower level of Oklahoma. And so it makes that game uh, much more doable. But if Oklahoma either goes like 10-2 and two this year, gets back immediately, or if they hire, make some huge hire, then 2024 looks different than it did in 22 and 23. 
You see, Oklahoma, I feel like if if they end up getting rid of Benevoles after this year, if he does not do good, I don't think they're messing around with going for another coordinator. I think yeah. they're I think they're they're a big enough brand. They say we can, you know, come out here, we can show you who we are and we're gonna go get a top head coach from somewhere that you're and it's gonna be one of those shockers like you saw it was a shock when Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma and went to USC. We're like, Whoa. That and and to your what you said, Brian Kelly to LSU, we're like, whoa, yep. that's what Oklahoma's going to be trying to do if they have to go get another head coach after Venables because they're going to be like, well, we tried the coordinator thing, it didn't work out. I know Lincoln Riley was a coordinator coming into it, but he was Bob Stoops' coordinator. He was Bob Stoops said, I'm retiring. This is your guy, and they're like, yes, sir, and he worked out. <laughs> and and then they're like, all right, now let's go find our own guy. Tried Venables. It you know maybe at the end of this yeah, maybe it didn't work. Yet, we don't you know he could get it turned around here uh, next year. But you know this Alabama schedule. I mean, if you you know it, it's 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 a tough one. I mean, you you've got you've got you know obviously you've got Auburn, but you do get them at home. Um, you get Georgia at home, then you got to go to LSU, Oklahoma, Tennessee. Those in you know like like you guys were talking about. You know, some of these, the, the Tennessee and the or the Tennessee game, the LSU game, you got to look at. You know, you, you're you're looking at those. And you're like, all right, we got to see them how this year how Tennessee responds without Hendon Hooker, because if they, you know, that they come back this year and they don't really miss a beat, you're like, all right, this this could work for a little bit. Um, if they if they take a step back, you're like, all right, who's going to be their quarterback going forward? Because then you know, then you start looking at Josh Heupel's offense. I've got I've got full confidence that Heupel can get things done because he get, he had the UCF offense rolling and it, it was it was you know he they hired him there for a reason he's I think Tennessee finally found the guy that's going to lead them LSU you know you got one more year with Jaden Daniels what do they look like after Jaden Daniels coming into that 2024 year do they have a quarterback that is waiting going to be waiting in the wings or do they go find one in the transfer portal that can get them to you know can can win them football games um Georgia it really doesn't matter who your quarterback is. I don't, you know, not, you know. That, I, not think we, I think we've kind of proven that you don't have to be the best quarterback to win at Georgia. So, you know, you, you've got so much work, you know, working around there. And then, you know, the other ones, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri. Yeah, maybe South Carolina gives you a game for half if you're Alabama, if, if Shane Beamer can keep, keep that rolling. But you're, you still get them at home. If that was at South Carolina – Maybe you can go out there and you know play around and see what happens. Happened way back in 2010. And but you know if, if you're in Bryant Denny Stadium, 100,000 Alabama fans yelling at yeah, you. I don't think so. It, it's <laughs> South Carolina. I don't the, think so. The top half of the schedule is is difficult, and it you know and then they said they you know they looked back and looked at conference you know all this different factors, conference record and everything, and they you know they gave a more difficult schedule, a little bit of a more difficult schedule, Alabama. If you're Alabama. You welcome the competition. You say, if we're going to win a national championship, we got to beat the best teams anyway. So we're going to go out there and play them. Well, and I think that's why it graded out as a middle of the SEC schedule for me. Yeah. On the surface, it feels very difficult. But they've also got three of the four lo- lowest-rated teams in the league. And if you look they, at it – or go ahead. They've got Vandy, Missouri, and South Carolina. So it's like you've got the some of the top of the top, but you also got a lot of the bottom of the bottom. Yeah. And we're about to go to Georgia here in a second. I'll tell you why that's different. But so you don't have many tweeners. Like it's either difficult or it's not for for six or seven of these games. And uh, that's I when it makes sense. If you got half that are hard and half that are not, it kind of makes sense. You end up somewhere around the middle. And and you look at Alabama's schedule out of the the hard half games that you look at Auburn, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Tennessee. Three of those you were going to have to play anyway. 
you were going to have to play LSU, you were going to play Tennessee, you were going to play Auburn. Anyway, Georgia and Oklahoma got added in, but you were going to have to play either Oklahoma or Texas. So if you're, you know, you're looking at it, would you rather play an Oklahoma team that maybe they're struggling, maybe they've got a new head coach, or maybe a, a Steve Sarkeesian team that you've already played that you would have played for three years in a row that almost beat you last year? Well, and if you want a little a little humor here too, a little uh, little ironic deal, is that, of course, Alabama not being pleased that if it was the nine-game model that it might be Auburn, Tennessee, and, and LSU. Well, the SEC said, well, that's that's cool. So those three will be on your schedule. We'll add Georgia. We'll, 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 we'll add that to that. Uh, so <laughs> they do, again, have at the top some, some, some of the toughest games you have in the league. They also balance it out with yeah. some of the easiest games you have in the league. So here's Georgia's. I had them, again, without the non-con, had them tied for third, with toughest SEC schedule, had them tied with Mississippi State, who's not exactly going to make the cut for us talking about them today. <laughs> uh, you add Clemson in, obviously, in the non-con, and I think it'd go to second or first, toughest. And here's why. I told you Bama has three of the bottom four in the SEC. Georgia really only has one. That would be Mississippi State. I got their second easiest game is at Kentucky. And their third easiest game is the neutral against Florida. When your third easiest game is your biggest rival, that that is on a neutral field. That's not. I wouldn't define that as easy. No, even though Ford is struggling right now, so it's home against Auburn, the neutral against Florida, home against Mississippi State, home against Tennessee, at Alabama, at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, at Texas. Now again. You'd look at it and say, all right, well, the road schedule ain't bad. Except for, obviously, Alabama's tough no matter where. Again, Kentucky, not tough overall. It grades out as one of the, the, the more easy games in the league. Well, Kentucky is the very best version of themselves right now. They've got Devin Leary coming in. They have been winning eight, nine games a year. They've been one of the most stable programs in the league because of Stoops. Again, there's a certain ceiling that they can't reach because they don't recruit well enough. But like, if that's your easiest road game and your second easiest team overall, it's a little uncomfortable. Then you're at Ole Miss and at Texas. And at Ole Miss, again, most of history, all right, here's a clear balance to scales. Right now, not as much. They're with Kiffin, with the long-term commitment that he and that school of May, like there's no evidence he's going to abandon ship now, then you expect a certain level out of Ole Miss all of a sudden. Not that you expect top 10 team in the country, but you expect them to be an eight-win team, at least. Now with Lane Kiffin, at least I do. And then you're at Texas, who I like Quinn Ewers. I think they're going to be pretty good this year. Don't think they walk into Tuscaloosa and win, but think they do well in the hodgepodge Big 12. And, again, I like the momentum of the program, cautiously optimistic. I am not saying those those words, Texas, there, blank. not saying that. <laughs> but I, I think it's cautious optimism with Texas, and going to Texas will always be a big deal. It will, it will always be difficult to agree. It, it feels like, justifiably so, one of the toughest schedules in the league. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with you. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, it, there's not a Vanderbilt on this schedule that, or no. Missouri, and so you look at it, and you know, if you're Georgia, and I know, you know, you, you look at this schedule, Georgia, you know, Georgia fans, you're like, oh, this is this is not, you know, this is not a great schedule. You're getting a break this year, and I know it's not your fault that you had to cancel that Oklahoma right. game, but you're still in the non-conference. You're not really playing anybody. You're a biggest competition. I don't know what is the is tech. This is. Yeah, and then are you talking non-conference or in in general? Like, what, oh, what is their what's your what's your what's your <laughs> first big game? Is it the big Auburn year for game? the Yellow Jackets? Is it is it the Florida game? I mean, Auburn's a top half difficulty opponent this year, and so it is. So, but you know, George is expected, and you know, you look at it, you know, not you know, we're not we're not talking twenty twenty three, uh, but you're expecting, you know, Georgia. The uh, I've heard this, you know, people are setting the win total. Uh, you know, uh, you know, is it over and under eleven and a half? The the win total should be over under twelve for the net regular season. Is the over under twelve? Do you win all twelve games or not? That's what Georgia looks like for twenty twenty three. Um, twenty twenty four, you get it back. I mean, you you've got to go play Texas, and you you know you you look at it and you say, this is you know Alabama, the the team that everybody and I know Georgia has won the back to back national titles. But everybody in, in college football kind of still judges the SEC on Alabama. Alabama kind of still runs the conference, it feels like. And nobody says, oh, Kirby Smart's getting his way. Everybody says Nick Saban's getting his way. And it, Alabama had to go to Texas, having to get Texas this year. You go to play Texas. You want to be – if Georgia, you want to be known as the team that runs the, the SEC – and you you know never have to hear you know you you're the top quote the top dogs in the conference go to Texas play at Texas beat them there and then play you know you you go to Bama beat Bama at your at their place it'll be a ringer it'll be a ringer for Georgia for sure but again look you we can have our own opinions as Auburn fans but also look at it from an objective middle ground as saying like this is going to create a lot of big exciting games and it's not about from a neutral perspective, whether Georgia wins them or loses them necessarily, but it's about there's going to be a lot of made-for-TV games. Obviously, the league didn't hit every single made-for-TV possibility, but with Georgia's schedule, again, there's going to be a lot of fun stuff on it. There's going to be a lot of big games, and sometimes in the larger picture, they're not always a lot of thought about what type of games the fans want to see, but I think that there will be a lot of them in the Georgia schedule for sure. We're going to take our next time out of the show, already almost halfway into this final hour. Some of this moves so slowly, but it's it's worth the deep breakdown. You know what? If we have to do some of this tomorrow, we will. <laughs> we, we will. Uh, but on the other side of this break, we're going to try and hit on, on three more. We're going to try to get to LSUs, and then we'll try and lump Oklahoma and Texas in, and then maybe a brief obituary for Florida. You're listening to... <laughs> The Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry with you here. Before we continue with a couple more schedules before the end of the show, let's get back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free. one 888 9 Next up on the show, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. Doing great. Hey, man, I tell you what, this is what I've been waiting for. I've been, I mean, I think it's all SEC games. Get rid of all the dang non-conference games or, or well, not non-conference, but get rid of all them dang, uh, what, what is it, the division of whatever, the FCS the, and, the, yeah. Yeah, best, yeah, get rid of all that. Nobody needs that. I'm excited. I mean, the end result may not be the, what I wanted, but at least it's going to be good football. I believe it should be. And uh, um, But I think you may have got one thing wrong. As a Georgia fan, I think I would move Florida and Kentucky as a concern over Auburn. I mean, I don't think Auburn has scored 10 points against Georgia, maybe the max points, since 2017. I mean, we've played tougher. Kentucky's played us tougher. I think we've actually lost to Florida since then. Uh, so I just, I mean, especially with the products they've had on the field. But, I mean, you all are, I guess you're assuming that this is going to be a nine-win Auburn team this year? Not necessarily assuming nine wins, but also got to remember, I mean, we're talking again, again currently, which obviously Auburn currently is – is uh, it struggled the last few years with Brian Harson, but I think that Florida, with the problem with year one, that even with Anthony Richardson, they were not a very good team. Uh, they are not trending in the right direction, and so it's very possible they were kind of projecting them to not have a very good year this year. That's where Auburn could start to uh, overlap or overtake them. And then as far as Kentucky, there's a certain level that that uh, we've referred to that even though the record has been pretty good and they've been stable, there's still a certain um, uh, of level that I, I just don't expect them to ever hit and be, be capable of right. hitting with the talent level. And so again, this is not obviously my, you know, this, this ranked out, this is more of a general ranking. If you're, if you're pointing out what you are, that Auburn has had zero luck in, in Athens for a while, then sure. I mean, you could say that, that in actuality for Georgia, one of those might be more difficult. But just from a total standpoint of, of resources and and how they might be in 2024, that's why we why, – why, I'm going to not say we. This was just me. They, they may feel differently. But yes, why yes. I put Auburn right just in front of them. Okay. Well, I just – I mean, like I say, I think it's like green eggs and ham. We will play you here. We'll play you there. We will play you anywhere. Like you say, y'all, I, I, I just – I mean, it sounds bad, but I really don't. I want to beat Auburn, but I don't think it is one of our toughest games. I mean, it was maybe, you know, but I don't know. It just it it just doesn't seem. I know this is an Auburn sports show, right? But I'm sure Kentucky's sitting over there saying the same thing, or or Florida especially, you know, because they. Uh, I think they're. What you didn't you just say that they are recruiting at a. Maybe not average wise, but at a at a pretty good clip right now. I mean, weren't they ahead of Auburn? Uh, Kentucky, Florida? no. I think it was South Carolina. No, I'm I'm sorry, Florida though. 
Florida uh, was up Florida there. was one spot or three spots above Auburn. I think they were 11th right now. Okay. But like you say, it may not average out. But dang, um, and here's my thing. How much does Tennessee compare to like the 2010 Auburn team? Is it Cam Newton, you know, saved the day and Hooker saved the day for Tennessee? And now we're going to see. I mean, is it possible that Tennessee could go? To the old Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, obviously not to that uh, to that huge swing no. since Tennessee didn't quite right. achieve what, what Auburn did and, and Cam was a little above Hooker or a good bit above Hooker. But, right. but yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, no, it's entirely possible that was a one-year wonder. I, I, I do allow for that possibility. Right. I do like how Heupel runs offense, though. I think it's the best kind of offense to run for this, this day and age of college football. But uh, it's entirely possible, sure. I got you. And, man, I just wonder, like I say, Steve lumps me in with all them homers that dang, you know, like I say, <laughs> I have some Georgia fans. They they sit there and they say, man, going to be a tough schedule. And I go, yeah, but that's what I want to play. I mean, we get lucky. We beat Ohio State. We beat, you know, it's luck. You know, it depends on what can happen, you know. And, and that's another thing. Like, Alabama's number one recruiting class. Nick Saban's still there. They've still got the highest average recruiting. You know, the recruits are there. But now we're talking about Georgia's, you know, taking over Alabama and stuff. So you want to talk about a sleeping giant. I mean, like you say, Alabama loses two games, you know, and it's the end of the world. We're going to drop them down. You know, they're not – so it's it's tough being on top, I'll tell you. So I'm, I'm But I'm excited for this – Thing, I, but now, who's going to decide? There is no set rotation or anything like that. So, is this what we're going to be looking for every year? And no. who decides these games? Yeah. So, not not every year. This is a trial run, and this is more so due because of two things. One, they want to see how the selection committee selects their first ever twelve team playoff in twenty twenty four with right. these new leagues. So, that's an important thing. And then two. I think they wanted to wait ESPN out a little bit more for a, hopefully more TV money with an additional conference game. And right now ESPN's going through those layoffs that were that were happening a few weeks ago. And I think they're hoping, yeah, and, they, and they might be wrong ultimately, but I think they're hoping that ESPN will be in a better position to offer more money a year from now. Okay. Because I was, um, I was uh, you know, it makes for good television. I mean, I'm excited every year. You know, uh, um, but like Steve said, Georgia, or, well, I guess we didn't have the luxury. That's not the way to put it. We were fortunate, as Steve would put it, to not have to play LSU and Alabama every year. But I do want to tell Steve, and uh, we did beat Alabama the year before last, and we beat LSU last year. But And I know our records, I think we're one and one here. Well, Burrow beat the mess out of us. Burrow beat the mess out of everybody. And we, that was about the only game we won against Alabama in about five attempts. But hopefully we can keep it up to that level. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. I, I, I love this. It's going to make for some good football, I believe. But now, who did you say made this schedule? Uh, I don't know if it's any one person in particular, just, just in general, the SEC League office. I mean, I don't know. If okay, it's the commissioner the or not, office. yeah, just the league office. Okay, yeah. it's it's not just like ads got in a room and said, "Hey, we'll do no. this and do that." No, it was definitely from the okay. SEC. Yeah. Okay, 
Man, I, I appreciate it. I, you all get on with your show. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah. All, all right. And who answered the phone when I called? Uh, it was me. It was Ryan. It was. And I always call you Brent. You sound like I'm on the phone. I'm sorry. Uh, it's I'm all good. I'm just going to say thank you. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say thank you from there on out, okay? <laughs> sounds <laughs> all good. Right. I, I do appreciate it. Thank you all again. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good, Jeff. Appreciate that phone call. That is Jeff Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Uh, yeah, sometimes I whisper into the uh, the phone. Sometimes I'm not the, the I, loud projecting voice. So. I think you and I have similar-ish sounding voices coming through a phone. Again, I can yeah, see it. I, and I do that too, by the way, I, I because I do listen or I do answer the phone a lot of times, and you guys know I've had – instances where i've had to make someone repeat three times because they sometimes it's hard to hear in the phone so and, it is it is different and you know brant it's it's okay it's okay well well thank you tom i appreciate yeah, that Yeah, Bre- brooks looked at ryan and called him me yeah so that's no the joke i called there. you ryan ryan <laughs> again way fun so anyway <laughs> yeah georgia's Schedules. got a tough schedule <laughs> they, big marquee um. games good for tv be tested <laughs> Uh, so we only got a few more minutes. Uh, we're going to real quickly, um, again, real quickly, go through Texas and Oklahoma. We'll save <laughs> LSU for tomorrow. We'll just have to hit a few tomorrow. It's okay. Uh, we it's the offseason. We can do what we want. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I want to mention Texas and Oklahoma because they are the newbies here. Page? Okay, I found it. Viciously different in the rankings that I had. Oklahoma I have as the second most difficult SEC schedule. Texas 15th, uh, 15th, so essentially the second easiest. Let's look at Texas because here's what easy looks like in the SEC, which <laughs> we know that easy in the SEC, not synonymous. So, easy in the SEC means you get Vanderbilt. Right, which is one of the things Texas gets. So home, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi State, then at Arkansas, neutral against Oklahoma, at A&M, which would be a big deal, and at Vandy. So this is where Jeff has a fair point of like what's difficult to each team can can vary. I try to do it at a very macro level, but like at Texas A and M for Auburn is way different than Texas at Texas A and M. That becomes very difficult for Texas. So that's fair, but at my at the general ranking level here, you notice. So you got Georgia, but no one else that I put in my top five most difficult. The next one would be Oklahoma. Meanwhile, you've got two of the easiest three. You got Vandy and then you got Mississippi State. Then you've got Kentucky, you got Arkansas on there, not perennially great. Again, in a bottle, Kentucky playing well for several years under Stoops and Arkansas a better version of themselves certainly under Pittman. But compared to other schedules, you you don't have LSU, you don't have Bama, so you get to avoid those. Again, a hot Tennessee team. Is it a one-year? Is it permanent? We'll see. Don't have Ole Miss, who's been more reliable than certainly like an Arkansas. Hell, they've been more reliable than a Florida the last couple of years. So this is what a, quote, easier schedule looks like in the league. Let me look at Oklahoma real quick, then get your thoughts on, on Oklahoma and Texas. So over to Oklahoma, who, again, I've got as the second most difficult right in front of Georgia. Oklahoma at home, Alabama, not fun. South Carolina, certainly more fun. Host Tennessee, neutral versus Texas. So only three home games, truly, for Oklahoma. Then on the road at Auburn, at LSU, at Missouri, at Ole Miss. 
So by my count, five of the most six difficult teams to play in the league, only avoiding Georgia. My second through fifth most difficult teams, they're all playing. Bama, LSU, Tennessee, and Texas, followed by sixth and Ole Miss. Auburn ain't a slouch. You don't get Vandy, but your two easy, in air quotes, easy games at Missouri, which used to be a conference rivalry, by the way, in the Big 12, and then host South Carolina. That's not fun. That that's not that's not fun overall. Now for the neutral party, a la us, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of big matchups. If Oklahoma is worth half a salt, then that will be a lot of fun. Oklahoma and Bama is going to be fun. Obviously, always Texas, but <clears throat> coming to Jordan Hare Stadium, it's going to be a fun experience. It's not, not never happened. It's never happened. So whether it was going to be Texas or Oklahoma is going to be a lot of fun. And, and Auburn does get a home game there. Uh, so your your takes here from Texas Oklahoma schedule. Uh, what you're looking forward to, or is it kind of odd that the two newbies had such different difficulties here on the surface? I, I think it'll be really interesting. Texas does have the second easiest schedule by the, the metric that you came up with, Ryan. I'm really interested to see what Kentucky becomes, because if Kentucky gets like keeps rising or even stays on the same level they're on, all of a sudden there's one easy game on this schedule, especially if Arkansas continues to do good things under Sam Pittman, which is – Another one, like, maybe. We don't know. But we think that there's potential there. It's like you say, there is no such thing as an easy overall schedule in the SEC. Um, Oklahoma only having three t- three home games is kind of killer. Uh, pl- stop playing stop playing neutral site games. I hate neutral site games. Just have, Even for Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, Even Oklahoma and Texas that have been playing in the Cotton Bowl for years. Yeah, home and home and home. And home but it, you man. don't get, if you home and home it, you don't get the 50-50 split of fans. That's so cool. Home and home. Give me, give me a full on hostile atmosphere, please. I vehemently disagree. So much I'm more fun. So much more fun than a 50-50 split. That, give me a full on home atmosphere. I'm against neutral sites being cooked up that have not existed. Texas when it's like been a rival, when it's been that way for a very long time, that's a very different thing to me. That goes into the tradition stuff that we don't have to cut out for the hell of it. And I know that you say you create the own tradition by going home and home, but like. That that has been around the Texas State Fair. There's been elements to that that it are has. not just football. That if there is one game that if there's a singular game that exists in the country that needs to be a neutral site, that is the game. I, I'll pose it to you like this: as a fan, if they built a really nice new stadium in Birmingham that housed a hundred thousand people, would you want to move the Iron Bowl back to a neutral site? Because it's already, it's now got the thirty plus years of being at home now. I home versus away. I hate neutral site games. Bowl, I bowl can games, tell bowl games and championships. Fine, I just. And also, no. I don't. But you see, I don't know the exact home and home. This thing. I don't know the exact equity of Oklahoma and Texas. If it's how truly split the fans are, it seems to be pretty split. I gotta say, you, you see on the been, TV. A lot of Auburn people will point to the fact it's 70-30 Alabama fans in Birmingham. Yeah, absolutely. There's really nowhere in that the is, state that, is, that you can have a true 50-50. Right. Uh, it was, it's a big city, and it's got people that care immensely about the sport, but that's also part of the reason why that, that got abandoned a long time ago. I just I, I hate the 50-50 split. And and to, to your point, yes, it was 70-30 in Birmingham. I, I want to see Georgia and Florida as a home and home. I I and and like you said, the the manufactured 
recent neutral site thing that uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas are doing, I also don't like. I'm not going to get into a fight on Thursday afternoon. Oklahoma, <laughs> like two or three minutes left. Oklahoma's show schedule is is it's tough. I mean, and especially you know we've been talking about this um, this uh, proposition that Oklahoma could be looking for a head coach at the end of this year. If you're the next head coach of Oklahoma in this theoretical situation, and you're this is your schedule you're walking into, oh boy, good luck, buckle up, welcome this, to the league. This is this is gonna yeah, welcome to the SEC. This is gonna this is gonna test you real quick. That's why, and you know, not necessarily fully why, but that's why if Brent Venables does not work out, you've got to get an experienced head coach. You've got to get a guy that that can come in and take the reins and is like, hey. I know what's going on here. This is this is you know we're we're this is gonna be a tough schedule, but it's 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 a guy that can come in and and not promise results, but has a very favorable uh, very favorable chance of getting results with the schedule. Um, you get South Carolina at home, cool, and you get to visit Missouri, cool. Well, guess what? Everybody else on that schedule, it's it's such a it's 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 a it's a big welcome to the SEC for Oklahoma. From a from a school that used to have a head coach uh, in his name, Big Game Bob, who would ag- antagonize the SEC, well, they're like, "All right, you can come play with us now. Here's your schedule." If if he had still been coach at Oklahoma, because he because be. he, he obviously retired early, he still could be coaching. It would not even be close to being he had to retire now. Would this send him into retirement? I, that's that's what I said. He wouldn't be. Yeah. He, very possible. It'd be, know. oh, 2023, you know, this is going to be my last year. I'll let someone else come in for the SEC. Well, new new conference, new regime here. How about that? Just a minute or two left in the show, so we do have to go on to a nightly TV guide. We'll have some more scheduled talk on tomorrow's show with a couple more of the big programs like LSU and Florida uh, in the league. But, uh, again, about out of time, time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what we got? We're stretching for sports tonight, folks. So uh, your two movie picks this evening. Edge of Tomorrow at 6.05 on HBO SG. Fun sci-fi action thriller there. And then one of my favorite uh, movies of all time at 7 o'clock on Paramount, Forrest Gump, starring Tom Mm. Hanks. Great movie. Um sit down a couple bowls of popcorn it's a long movie take it in your uh sports picks for you this evening two baseball and golf we'll start out with golf u.s open coverage uh they're in los angeles california so we got primetime golf tonight from the u.s open seven o'clock on nbc uh currently on uh, usa network i think xander shoffley and ricky fowler tied for the lead both in the clubhouse at eight under and then your baseball picks for the evening the braves start up a four-game series with the colorado rockies at 620 on bally sports southeast tonight uh Shaver, is that Shaver? Smith Smith, Smith Shaver gets his second start for the Braves tonight, and then seven o'clock on FS1. Shohei Otani's on the mound in a divisional matchup against the Texas Rangers. The Rangers have been hot this year, and now they get the uh, face the best player in baseball. And that's a look at your night TV guy brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being on the show today. We'll see you again tomorrow. We'll see you then. And Brant, thank you for being on the show today, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for having me. And that will do it for the show for today. Of course, as always, appreciate all those that tune in and call in. We had a lot of great calls today. For Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.